Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What's up, everybody? We are, we've made it to episode 44. And if, if you're on YouTube, you, you already saw us doing our, our pre-test audio checks. Yep, yep. We yeah, so welcome back to the people who are just watching our pre-test, our pre-show. So, Nick, something's a little different here, and I'm going to kind of prove something. You ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Wave your hands. We are in the same room, everybody. Social distancing, but we are in the same room. Yeah. So, yeah, social distancing may be a thing to discuss, but I'm going to yeah. move on to disc golf. <laughs> All right. So, Nick, um, I know you've been really busy. You've been doing your own tournaments, but we had a big event happen. Yeah. Um, and I say big because it's a premiere of the OTB Open, which used to be San Francisco Open. Mm -hmm. Did you like SFO, like those courses and that competition? Did you like watching that? Before? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed watching that. It seems like a fun ball golf course style disc golf course. And uh, it seemed enjoyable. It seemed like I think they did it for a few years and I did like it, but I heard the area is really bad. So that's that, <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Really like bad? just like really sketchy, like people's okay. cars and vans getting broken into and everything like that. So <laughs> I can I can see the switch. OK, um, so the course review for this new course, it's pretty big, dude. Eleven thousand yeah. five hundred feet par sixty six. You go to the women, it's ten thousand. That's pretty big par seventy. Mm -hmm. um, so it's on an existing golf course, like a ball golf course. Mm -hmm. And everyone has their opinions on that. And we've talked about it before. Um, the hole's average length, if you do the math, which is pretty simple, 640 foot average hole length, Nick. Mm -hmm. That's like every hole being uh, hole 11 at Maple Hill, like to the blue layout. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a lot. yeah actually, that makes sense. <laughs> eight par threes, eight par fours, pretty balanced there. Mm -hmm. Two par fives. It's, and I think they're yeah. pretty, pretty legitimate. And both, both the par fives were what, over a thousand feet, right? Yeah. I think at least one of them was. Yeah, they were big. So the two meter rule was in effect. I actually texted Jeff Spring earlier and said, hey, Jeff, has this ever happened before? Where's the two meter rule been? Like, have we seen it at a disc golf pro tour? Mm -hmm. And he didn't have an answer. He said more or less, um, it's something that obviously he didn't need to say, but this is a, this is a California, especially NorCal thing. Yep. yep. And um, I'm pretty sure Memorial runs a two meter rule every year. But you used to be a pro tour. Okay. But, and he talked about Master Cup yep. Um, and SFO probably had it every year, but have we ever seen it come into play? Like, do you remember like during a tournament where it's like, oh, two meter rule on you? Yeah, on live coverage, I can't think off the top of my head, someone getting penalized for that, but it's not to say it hasn't happened before. No, and I'll bring it up in a minute why that came up, but I mean, I'll, okay, I'll just bring it up now. Eagle on his final, final hole of the tournament through a, a massive, like sky Annie, like huge. Even all the pros on his card were like blown away and it lands in a tree and just stays in there. Oh, it's a bummer. It's like he I had one bogey that before yeah. that. That was it. Yep. And then this final hole. <laughs> OB. Nice. All right. Uh, so let's see. There was a pretty good response, Nick, to this course. Mm -hmm. You see that quote there that I put up there on screen? Yeah, I'm looking at Joel Freeman. Read, read that out. Yeah. So Joel Freeman, uh, touring pro, giving it the highest praise. After playing this course one time, I think this is the most well-designed layout that professional disc golf has ever seen. This is a true tour level layout. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so immediately I texted Simon, mm -hmm. <laughs> Hey, yeah. people are saying this is the best design pro layout ever. What do you think? 
And Simon, more or less, throw him under the bus. No. He said the same thing in his press conference. Yeah. But it was like, it would be kind of hard to mess up the property that the guy was given. Like, really? It, yeah. It's like, it's wonderful property. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So, but I think he said, nah. And Simon, if you're listening, you're on your airplane, like you said you were. <laughs> Simon turned us down for an interview tonight. He says he's flying. Yeah. But ultimately, he said, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say best ever, but good, good layout. People, it was good, pretty good reviews from everybody. Yeah. From what, from the little covers that I've actually been able to see so far, it did look like a fun layout. It did look like a well-designed layout, but I think I'm kind of biased when it comes to ball golf courses versus traditional woodsy disc golf courses. Like you and I have grown up playing in a lot of people in New England, Minnesota, Wisconsin, all those places. Um, so I, I don't know if, Maybe if I played it, I'd feel different, but I feel like there's so many incredibly well-designed courses that I don't know, you know, if I would say it's the best one, but I mean, <laughs> it's obviously it's, you know, coming from a guy who's a touring professional with Joel Freeman. Yeah. That's, that's super high praise. That's coming from a touring pro who's played probably hundreds of courses, been out to hundreds of events. And so to get that kind of praise for it, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, for sure. So can we talk about rollers for a minute? How many yeah. rollers? like? This is a stupid question, Nick, but how many rollers have you thrown in your disc golf career? Like, really? Can you almost like legitimately? Yeah, I don't. To be honest, I don't think I've ever in a tournament off the tee thrown a roller. Okay. I, I really don't think I have. Forehand or backhand? Forehand or backhand. Okay. I don't think I've ever done it. Have you in played Nantucket? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, there's not a hole in Nantucket that I feel like I need to throw a roller on. Okay. Because I don't know. At Nantucket, the fairways are so big. <laughs> That you can just air out a backhand. I mean, believe me, if you have a good roller game, it's incredible, especially with a course like they just played or a course like Nantucket. If you can throw a good roller, great. But I've never, like in New England here, in Massachusetts or even Virginia now where I live, like there's not many courses that I'm like, oh, I got to throw a roller off the tee because there's usually roots, there's trees, there's, you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I was, I'm only asking because like nine of 18 holes. We're rollers on this course. Yeah. Like, as in, that's what you watched happen. Insane. Yeah. And I'm here to talk about, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I like seeing a disc fly more than I like seeing it roll. Agreed. I think during an event, when you see someone lay down a super impressive roller, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. But when you see not every other hole or the front, however many, five in the front nine, it's kind of like, man, it's, it's who can throw down the best rollers here. I, yeah. I would, I don't know. It's the way the course laid out. Exactly. And I'm, I'm curious to see if the course designer, if that was like, obviously it's not their intention to throw, make sure every single hole is a roller hole, but I'm curious as they were designing it, if they felt like these pros are going to throw rollers on a lot of these holes, just curiosity wise. Yeah. I mean, I thought about it too. The, the, the grass is nice. Like, of yep. course you're, yep. you're going to get further distance on long holes. Yeah. Uh, and most of them, obviously, depending on, you didn't see, you saw sometimes Eagle throw a shot that others threw a roller on or vice mm -hmm. versa, but mm -hmm. it played well for the rollers. Um, yeah. and I'm just saying my opinion on it. I got, I got tired of it. It's just yeah. what it is. Yeah. I would I agree. I want to see a disc fly. And when I did, when I saw the par threes that were 400 feet and they were throwing them and parking them or getting close, like that's exciting. It looks really cool and it mm -hmm. plays out, I don't know, better in my mind. I do enjoy watching the disc fly. All right, Nick. So feels good to have you back in studio. Yeah, like, it feels, feels 
Nice. I uh, <laughs> last night I, I played a local tournament. Oh, I shouldn't say local. I played a tournament in Virginia, B tier Lake Marshall Open. Incredible event. Incredibly well ran. Incredible courses. Right after the event, I went back to the Airbnb that my girlfriend and I stayed at and took a quick power nap and then actually drove eight hours throughout the night, got home and then instantly went to work. So it's been, it's been a long day. Do you know how I end but, out the uh, podcast? Like Nick, you're awesome. Yeah. Nick, you're crazy. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so it's, it's fun. So, all right. New, cool, awesome. We're working with stat Mando. Now, if you don't know who stat Mando is, get on Twitter and check them out. So go to at stat Mando, as in what you would think, like Mando, like throw a Mando, mandatory, S-T-A-T-M-A-N-D-O. Um, Stat Mando puts out really cool disc golf stats. They are into that. They research it. They listen to things that we say on our show and say, oh, that sounds like something cool to research. And then they provide it to us. We are working with Stat Mando uh, with all the stats that we bring for our show. It's coming from them. Uh, so definitely check them out. So here's some stats from this event, Nick. And, and I figure most people watching our show watch the tournament or at least have some idea. Yeah. So I'm just going to run through some of these stats. Eagle McMahon, 32 under par, his highest rated round. Sorry, Brody. <laughs> 1,085. That just tells me he performed really high, obviously. Yeah. Averaged 1,068. That's really high. 18 above his rating. Mm-hmm. So he played above his average. Like, he was performing yeah. really well. Um, where he made most of his strokes on the field. He made 25 strokes, Nick, on the field, gained T to green. Yeah. What does that stat tell you, T to green? T is just, at that tournament, was super accurate with all of his drives. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. He was just super accurate, was feeling it, whether it was rollers, backhand, sidearms. Eagles obviously got an absolutely incredible game, and he has every single element to that game dialed in. And so this is just something at a course like this, you would expect to see Eagle be one, two, if not three you know yeah the tee to green you're right he was being accurate but man i think with the way that this course played out so long distance was a huge factor oh god yeah. and so if you could throw on a 800 foot hole 650 or even further yeah now you're upshot tee to green there you go it's much easier mm-hmm. so you see uh first place tee to green was eagle and then you have second place going to Anthony Barella. What does Anthony have in his pocket? Another distance. massive distance player. And then how about yeah. third place, T to green, Calvin, Cal- Heimberg. Calvin Heimberg. What is Calvin? Well, I would say a pretty good <laughs> distance player. Right. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, that just tells me a little bit about how, th- obviously I watched it, but this course played well for yeah. those who can put it out there. Um, speaking of Anthony Barella, well, let's, let's Anthony Barella and James Conrad mm-hmm. tied for tied second. For second place. Yep. Um, but Anthony played 31 points above his average rating. Like that's he, awesome. He performed yeah. really high and he was just coming off a of second place over at goat Hill, another bomber course that he was able to excel at and same thing played above his rating, but this one going 31 points above it, second place in the T to green stats. I mean, that's, that's just awesome for him. And James Conrad, who I just mentioned, mm-hmm. I don't think we should just skip over this too fast. Maybe right now we will, mm-hmm. but James Conrad has been a conversation of like, is he going to ever be able to perform high yeah, again? Exactly. Well, that might be a little exaggerated, but he, his circle one putting, Nick, 100% at this event. One. That's through the whole tournament. The whole tournament. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Not everybody was able to do that. Yeah. 
um, including Eagle and uh, Ricky and everybody. Nobody else. He was I the think only Eagle, one. Eagle was 100% the first round, and I think the second round had missed a couple somewhat early on, and then I think just here and there was missing a couple. But obviously, 85% circle 1x putting from Eagle, so that's obviously no slouch of his own. But yeah, 100%. <laughs> And I, I want to shout out AB really quick because 93% circle 1x putting for AB. That's incredible because if there's something that kind of happens yep. with AB's game right now is if his putting's off, he has such a powerful putt that, you know, if he's 30 feet away and misses it wide right, he's still going to be 30 feet away on the other side now. So for him to be putting at 93%, that's awesome. That's that's really cool to see. That's actually better than Ricky and Paul's circle 1x putting this Ooh. last weekend and that's that i mean look at ricky you can argue that he's the best putter in the world right now that being so, so you're right because the stat stat mando thank you for, for finding this for us mm-hmm. um when it comes to gained strokes putting ricky did the best in putting mm-hmm. when it came to strokes gained on the field because of his putting um so good job to him second place yeah. went to calvin for that strokes gained putting um and that was eight by the way first and second was eight strokes um so that and then Aaron Gossage, we've got him lined up tonight, Nick. Yep. Um, yep. seventh place, it's that's pretty good, yeah. And he had a lead card appearance and he averaged or he played 36 points above his average rating, yeah. Wicked hot round, second round, shooting 1072. I think we had said that was 11 down, and that was able to actually jump him up on the lead card, play on that lead card the final day. I'm curious to ask him just, you know, what were the camera jitters like? Do you think that affected his game? But we're obviously going to ask him that when he gets on the show. But yeah, 36 points above his rating. That's obviously incredible. 83% circle 1x putting. Uh, I mean, yeah, all around very solid performance by him. And we're moving down here because there's a few other notables. Simon Lazat. Okay. He might have finished, what is that, like 15, 15 behind first place, 15 strokes behind first place over mm-hmm. three rounds. But mm-hmm. Nick. What did we guess? You guessed ninth place. Yeah, I, th- last I week. think I said ninth. Yep. And I was like over, under, over, under. And I went with, I think, like 12th. And he ended up placing 13th. I, uh, again, we reached out to see if we could get him on the show and he's flying. But yeah. ultimately, I said, How did you feel? And he said, Not too shabby. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, it was very exciting to watch him the first round and just seeing him play again. 89% circle 1x putting. Uh, it's funny. He event averaged. 1035, which is actually his rating. So he averaged his rating. That's so good. And that's that's awesome because you're going out to a pro tour event. It's your first one back in a long time. I think since USCGC was his last big event yeah. that he's played. Mm-hmm. So to go out there and re, you know, average your rating again, not hurt his elbow, and then, you know, 10 1047 round three. So obviously he jumped it up at the yeah. last round. So we know Simon still got it. But uh yeah. Yeah, I I was happy to see that. Um he performed well for himself. Good return. And then uh, just because we always do the Brody tracker. Yeah. 26th. That's where Brody's been averaging. But I saw a complaint in his own post like he did. He's like, man, the final rounds. I have to figure out the final round. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, that's- so, I mean, yeah, you could see Brody's, uh, Brody's biggest struggle this event. And he said it online and everything. So I'm not just speaking out of turn. But uh. 79% circle 1x putting at a pro tour event and stuff like that. You got to be hitting them pretty much over 80, 85 each event to jump up those ranks. So he said it. he's got to work on a circle one putting a circle two putting and everything like that. So I'm excited. He's been having a great season. I know he probably won't say that it's been great, but it's been, it's been fun to watch. 
Yeah. So moving into, well, actually, before we do that, Eagles, there's a few notables here. 63% of his holes were birdies. 63%. Thank you to Stat Mando for that. 63% of his birdies. I mean, of his his holes were birdies. That's incredible. Um, He only had two bogeys. They were both due to OB. Uh, One was due to the two meter rule, Mm -hmm. which again is not at very many events. And one was on the second easiest hole on the course. Yeah, uh, he landed on the golf green. Gotcha. It's kind of errant. Yep. I think everyone else got birdies. Ah, uh, he had a little bit of wiggle room. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, so moving into FPO, before we get to our Aaron Gossage interview, which stick around for that, of course, um, that will be a good time meeting Aaron uh, yeah. for the first time for me and you, yep. I guess. Yep. Um. All right. Paige Pierce takes it down. 19 under par, just eking it out, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of. It's not quite how it played out, but over Katrina Allen, who set down a course record the final round. Uh, Nick, what do you see as advantages here to, to Paige for how this played out? Again, thanks to Stat Mando for yeah. the stats. I mean, one thing that we can definitely take away from this is we know Paige is incredible at throwing off the tee, and especially in a course like this where there's a pretty wide amount of room to throw. Uh, she was first, tee to green. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, she gained 27.06 strokes for the tee to green. Uh, second place, though, was her second place competitor, Katrina Allen, uh, gaining 24.58 strokes on the tee to green. So, I mean, close. Yeah, very close. It's something super small. We've always said it. Katrina throws the disc really well. But on a course like this, I think Paige does have the advantage. Um, and especially I think Paige was kind of having a little, you know, mental rejuvenation she took a little break to come back into the game and uh so it's been good to see it it was good to see her come back out on top yeah and we're gonna have Paige on here stick around um so best putter circle one putting as far as that goes i think this is really impressive and and i i don't even mean this just strictly for fpo but 86 percent circle one putting for missy gannon that is her strong suit it is yeah she's a world champion in putting um, so that's good to see for her. So she gained almost seven strokes on everybody during yeah. her putting. Um, and Katrina Allen, second best circle mm-hmm. one X putting. And I think I saw a few really doinked putts. So imagine if those, whatever happened in those mm-hmm. little doinked putts, she would have a, she would be, well, she would be tied or winning. Yeah, that's, and exactly. That's how golf is played. I don't mean like, oh, if only she had, I mean, Paige might've had and had her issues too, but yeah. In fact, pages, look at circle one putting for page. No, it's 63%. Yeah, I was kind of noticing that as I'm looking at these. And uh, 63%, I, it's just shows how good she is off the tee. And she's able to get away with 63% putting. That's so exactly I think that's, right. that's huge. I mean, they always say drive for show, putt for dough. And I think that... <laughs> Unless you have a massive Yeah, well, advantage. I was going to say, I think, I think that comes to a point to where it's like, look, uh, one player I've always said this about was old school Will Schustrick. He was able to throw the disc off the tee so well that where his putting lacked, he made up for off the tee, off his upshots and everything like that. So, yeah. So congratulations yeah. to Paige. The notables here. So uh, she led with circle two putts. So her circle one was kind of low, but she hit a higher percentage of circle two putts than anybody. Mm-hmm. Now you say it that way, 36%. And then you realize, well, that's five circle two putts out of 14 attempts. So but she put in some those big are all, 50 yeah, footers. Those, yeah. They're all good. Any yep. circle two is good. Exactly. Um, so, but here's interesting. Cat had five circle two putts also, but here's what it, it's interesting. To look at, she had 20 attempts at mm-hmm. circle two. Mm-hmm. 
So the difference here is that Paige was putting, I think, putting her shots inside of the circle and getting them closer, yeah. whereas Kat wasn't getting them all the way inside of the circle, and so she had way more circle two attempts. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, again, that's a big part of what happened here. That's huge. Um, all right, and then to wrap out this conversation about the recap here, throw-ins. Nick, I thought this was an interesting stat to look at. Yeah. Just for fun. Exactly. I mean, we got Austin Hanneman round one, uh, threw in a shot from 333 feet on hole three. I'm pretty sure that was for Eagle. Yeah. Which is pretty sweet. It was. Uh, Robert R. Brainbridge and round one threw it in from 231 feet on hole 17. It was actually to save par on a par four. Calvin Heimberg, I heard about this and it's actually kind of funny because Zach Melton aced the same day over at Lake Marshall, but Calvin Heimberg on round two, 339 foot ace on hole 15. And then our boy Ezra Aderhold, round three, 341 foot throw in on Eagle on the most difficult hole. So that's pretty wild. You're gaining strokes definitely if you're throwing it in from 341 feet. Yeah. <laughs> and let yeah. me scroll down here a little bit for you. Check these ones out. Here we go. Ellen Widboom, round one, 220 feet on hole nine. Kona Panis, I saw this one online. End of a disc had a cool post, throw like Kona. Uh, it was pretty sweet. But on, uh, let's see, round three, 215 feet on hole 18. Ella Hansen, round three, 180 feet on hole nine. And Kat Merch, who we've talked about before, round three, 177 feet on hole nine as well. So hole nine was just getting attacked from all over the place, which is actually kind of wild. Yeah. <laughs> and by the yeah. FPO too. Yeah. That's, exactly. It's how it's set up where That's I guess sweet. you had to kind of, you're in that in between range. Yep. yep. All right. But without further ado, and Nick, it's so great to have you in studio. So I don't have to like mix all this Skype yeah. nonsense, but let's yep. bring him in. Aaron Gossage, everybody. Uh, welcome to the show, Aaron. Can you tell us where, uh, well, first of all, congrats on your performance. Can you tell us where you're calling us from today? Uh, thanks guys, uh, for having me on the show and everything. Um, I'm calling from Grand Junction, Colorado. Um, yeah, a buddy of mine, um, just set everything up here and, uh, yeah, we're shooting it out of his house. That's awesome. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Cause he had tweeted, I, I run the Twitter account for the Nick and Matt show and he tweeted at me. So I texted Matt and I was like, this actually works out kind of perfect. Cause it's so much easier when people tweet at us saying they want to be on the show rather than us scrambling to try to get guests. So <laughs> we, we appreciate your, uh, manager. That's what he called himself. I'm pretty sure. And uh, I, for, I forget yeah. his name right now. I, I could look it up, but we want to appreciate you guys coming on the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate it too. Uh, it's Gabe Gallegos, um, buddy yeah. of mine, yeah, uh, yeah, local yeah. disc golfer here, went to high school with him. So nice. really cool. Very cool. Awesome. So you already traveled. Did you go overnight or did you leave this morning? Um, I went overnight. Um, I actually had uh, work uh, 9 a.m. this morning. So I just drove all night <laughs> and showed up to work uh, right when I got there. Uh, hyped up on caffeine and yeah that's that, exactly that what night. i did <laughs> that's exactly what i did too that's awesome you guys are okay you're crazy but the, yeah. the disc golf touring life that is what it used to always be about and obviously and i'm gonna say obviously but for players that are are un, unheard of in my neck of the woods aaron gossage we want to get to know you that seems like more of a reality however if you keep doing performances like that then you'll probably be uh flying back or um, not needing to have another job, but let's talk about it. Um, so literally I don't know very much about you besides what I saw on the tournament coverage this weekend. Can you tell us like, uh, where, where did your disc golf game come from? Like how long ago did you start? And, um, has it been developing to this point for a long time or did this come out of nowhere? Just tell us a little bit about your game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a Colorado guy and, uh, for some reason, Colorado guys just seem to throw far. 
So uh, <laughs> my game has always been just throw it as far as I can and um, hopefully get close to the basket. Uh, for so long, I just uh, really struggled on the putting green. And the this tournament and uh, Jonesboro, my putting really came together, made a lot of circle one putts, and that's what got me there on the, the second and lead card there at the end. So my, my drives always seem to be very consistent, um, getting myself in position. It's just whether I can connect on the putts. So let me see here. I got to pull it back up. It's somewhere here on my screen, um, my show notes. You're, <laughs> you're shooting um, above your average ra- rating by 36 points. Is that something you expected? Like you knew it was just building up and ready to, to burst out like that? Or what did you think of your performance this past weekend? So um, I've definitely been feeling it coming. Um, I've been putting in a lot of work, especially on the putting green, for sure. Um, this weekend, I didn't honestly feel it coming. I was uh, questioning whether I should go to this tournament. You know, it's it's a long drive just to go down one night and then have Where to come back for work. You scroll down. I so, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know this was going to happen. I was hoping to shoot, you know, a couple under par each round. But uh, when I got to the course, uh, ball golf courses really suit uh, my play style. And I just knew that I was going to shred it off the, off the tee. It's just a matter of whether I can make my putts. Nice. And so golf, golf style courses, you say are more your cup of tea. Do you guys have those out in Colorado a lot? Cause I know it's more mountainous out there. Is that something that you've practiced on or. Yeah, we've got a, a bunch of ball golf courses out here. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, like you said, um, it's very mountainous, but definitely played a lot of tournaments on ball golf courses. And um, yeah, I've always excelled at them. Uh, I'm not really sure why I usually don't throw too many rollers. Um, definitely you saw in the second round, I think I only threw one roller off the tee, but, um, I watched James throw so many that I, I couldn't help myself the last round. There's just a few holes. I feel like I could attack if I had another 50 feet of distance. So that's kind of what the roller accomplishes. Yep. And so I'm, I'm seeing a lot in the chat and I'm kind of seeing, you know, questions that people have asked me, but they're saying you're an unsponsored pro. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, so so I've, yeah, go ahead. Um, I put in some applications and stuff um, past year, but uh, disc golf's just been growing so much that all the companies seem to be full uh, with their teams and everything. But um, yeah, I've just been kind of keeping my options open mm-hmm. and um, yeah, happy to be here. You know, the, the sponsorship thing isn't holding me back. I, I decided to just go for it and uh, see how the year ended up. No, exactly. I mean, I think if um, with a mixed bag, you're able to try every best disc from every great company. And I think a lot of people kind of need to realize that and it's good to get your name out there. Good to get applications out there, but you can see it with Aaron in this past weekend, a mixed bag and he's still playing incredible out there and he's able to do this. And you know, you said, what are you doing for a full-time job? That's allowing you to get out to a couple of these big events this year. Um, so I really do have to give a shout out to my work. Um, I work at the bike shop um, here in Grand Junction, Colorado as a bike mechanic, mm-hmm. uh, bicycle mechanic. Um, my bosses have been really cool. Um, I asked them if that I could have this opportunity, take some time off work, um, go and see, see what I can do out there on the the biggest stage. Mm -hmm. And they've been really flexible with me. They, um, give me all the time off that I asked for. And unfortunately it was my fault today. I forgot to ask for this Monday off. So that's, that's why I had to drive (laughs) all night to get to work. So, um, big shout out to them. Um, makes a huge difference. Uh, just knowing I've got a steady job back home and they're, they're willing to work with me. Definitely. Awesome. Can you tell me, has anybody, well, it's been a long day for you or night and day, two days. <laughs> has anybody reached out to you and said, Hey, let's talk like as far as, inter- as, as far as uh, sponsorships go? No. 
Yeah, I've just started to get um, a couple messages like that today. Um, I haven't been uh, thinking about it too much. Um, like I said, I'm running without like any sleep right now. So I figure I'm <laughs> yeah. going to take full night's rest yeah. and then worry about everything when that comes. The two people I'm talking to, Aaron Gossage and Nick Carl, have both zero sleep since yesterday. <laughs> What's going on? All right. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your game? You mentioned some of how your performance was. What would you say your strong suit is? You said throwing far you can do. Um, but what's a strong suit that you feel like? Um, honestly, um, yeah, just my, uh, long distance flyers. Um, I, I'm really confident in my backhand, um, throwing a long uh, ways, I suppose. And then I'm super confident with my uh, forehand for anything from like 200 to 400 feet. Um, I'm throwing a, like a zone. I feel super mm -hmm. confident getting my zone up and down, uh, making birdies, saving pars, and um, my my tee shots uh, that definitely, especially that last round, I was really confident in all my my forehands, and it made a big difference. So you mentioned that you only threw one roller in the final round, and I did second watch. Round. Or, no, you said second round. In the second second round. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say I watched it, and I was like thinking that number was off. And the second round, that's when you shot eleven down. Um, do you feel like obviously it can be done? Why do you think so many of the players defaulted to the roller? Is it because that's their strength and not yours? Or what did you feel like? Was that your game plan and you just stuck to it? Um, I've always kind of had this uh, philosophy of the more rollers I throw, the less consistent my round's going to be. If I can keep the, the shot in the air, then I'm going to know exactly what it's going to do. On a lot of these holes, uh, you just need distance. You don't really need placement that much. So um, that's why the roller comes out a little bit more. Um, that second round... Honestly, it just comes down to the putting. Um, I could have shot basically the same round that last round if I had just made a few more putts. Mm -hmm. um, I, I could tell on the camera. Um, I was just rushing myself a little bit. Uh, I had the same problem before when I, I get a little bit nervous in tournaments. And first time on the lead card, and I, I'm not too surprised that I, I had those nerves going. See, I like that. You can kind of you know, admit to something that, because I was going to ask you, you know, what is it like playing on the lead card at a pro tour event? You're obviously playing with a couple of the best players in the world, some of the furthest throwers in the game. And there's obviously that added pressure. And then, you know, you're representing the Colorado scene, you're representing friends and family from back home. So at that moment, you're on camera. Now you, you said you feel more rushed. Is that something that you've dealt with before on lead cards back home? Um, yeah. So, um, I, uh, I played a few tournaments against Joe Revere. He's kind of a local legend in oh, Colorado. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he's one of those guys I've kind of always idolized. So every time I uh, get on a final card with him, I just get super nervous because I, I don't want to like mess up and I, I want to put out a good showing. And I had that same kind of feeling um, yesterday with uh, those top guys, um, which strangely enough, I didn't have that feeling the second round. Um, mm -hmm. I played a, a C tier or two with uh, Barella and Hamas. And James is just a really uh, cool guy, nice and relaxed. So mm -hmm. it, it just felt like another day in the park. <laughs> Sounded like you were going to say something. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're taking deep breaths together. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was, we're looking at me and Matt are you know, going back and forth with each other. But... I'm, I'm like, did Nick just fall asleep over there? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I'm not used to having him back in studio. Sorry, Aaron. This is not how it usually goes. Um, so talk a little bit about your... Um, you mentioned nerves and, and you just, like Nick said, you just came out and said it. Um, these players that you got to play with, how much of a fan are you of them and then finding yourself playing with them? Or do you feel like you're, I mean, what, what is that like? 
Um, it's a really cool experience. Um, you know, you watch these guys on TV um, and, you know, they're amazing. Um, they, they throw such great shots that you, you, you can't, like, imagine yourself on the same stage as them. But um, it, it was really kind of an eye-opener. Um, I definitely came out that last round, and I was throwing tee shots just as good as anyone else um, felt like. Uh, I was just rushing my putts a little bit. So um, I, I played, like, uh, my dad played a, a round with Ricky once where he just didn't miss a single putt the entire round. So that's kind of what I was expecting going into that round. Mm -hmm. And then Eagle was just business all day. So it, it was impressive to watch him just go out and uh, slay it there. Have you competed with uh, Eagle locally in the uh, Colorado scene? Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um, yep. I used to play uh, junior tournaments against him um, back 2008, 2009. And uh, yeah, he's always beat me. So I, I, I'm i sure yeah. I've ever beat him in a tournament before. Uh, but it's cool <laughs> to be on the, nice. the lead card together at a, a pro tour event. So it's wow. been a lot of fun. That is, that is really yeah. cool. Um, I'm thinking at some point, you know, I might say that, well, no, I'll never be on tour. But uh, let's move into that part of this. Um so you hit up this event. How many other um, pro tours or national tours or other large events do you plan to hit up this year? Um, so I uh, am kind of up there in the pro tour points. So I decided I'm just going to go out for everything in the pro tour this year. Um, I've missed a silver series or two um, just because uh, they added a couple and mm -hmm. I didn't have the time off work. So that's just kind of the way it goes. But I'm going to try to finish the, the season strong, get all the, the pro tour events in and um, as many national tour events as I can as well. Um, it, it's just kind of going all out this year and see, seeing where it takes me. Do you, f do you feel like in the future you could see yourself, let's say two years from now, in a converted van traveling the country trying to make a living off this? Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I don't know for sure what the future holds, um, mm -hmm. definitely. But um, I just graduated with a computer, computer science degree. Cool. And it'd be really nice to find some kind of job that I could work remotely out of a van. Um, yep. So I have a little bit of steady income and then I can do the disc golf and uh, not worry about it. You know, that sounds like the life <laughs> <laughs> consistent paycheck and disc golf uh, on the weekends. <laughs> What's amazing is, and I'll shout out, you know, running it with Nate Sexton, I'm a very large podcast nowadays. <laughs> shout out to Jarrett from Buffalo and Nate Sexton, of course. Um, they've been talking to people who have pioneered the sport a lot. And I was just thinking to myself, like, uh, go back to like 2000 in the beginning of 2000s, right? 2003, 2004, five, all that. Like, it wasn't even really a real reality for people. They had to like literally scrape by. Whereas you perform well, Aaron, sponsor comes out, they, they start supporting you. You perform well, you make money. It's, it's, it's an amazing opportunity. Uh, so you're hitting up the pro tour events. Um, that means Maple Hill. Will you get to see Maple Hill? Have you ever been out there before? Yeah, I've never been out there before, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be a long drive, um, but, you know, I, I'm used to that at this point. The, the um, reason I'm just. That, yeah, I was going to say the reason I bring so, that up is because Nick and Matt show where we're sitting right now is in Leicester, Massachusetts. That's our course. So we're excited mm -hmm. to see you come out. That's awesome. Honestly, it's uh, one of the best parts about the touring is that I just get to play all these amazing courses across the country. And I, I really enjoy playing, playing new stuff, getting to try new shots. No doubt. No doubt. Do you have a preference on like what kind of course you play? So obviously you have a big distance, you have everything like that, but do you like more woods golf or do you kind of enjoy that more openness? So um, it's kind of funky. I do enjoy the woods golf, um, mm -hmm. like going to Waco. I really enjoy playing all those wooded holes um, on there, but um, I don't do well. So um, 
that's just kind of what I've seen so far. All the tight wooded courses, I've really struggled. And on the, the open bomber holes, um, I, I've really excelled. So um, I wouldn't say I necessarily dislike those courses. Mm-hmm. I think they're lots of fun to play. They just uh, eat my lunch. Yeah. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm trying to think here. You you mentioned, so what was it like being, you talked about being a little bit nervous playing with these players, but like having all these cameras around you, were they distracting you? I was really impressed. Um, I never really had that many cameras around and I thought it would distract me, but um, everyone was so good. They just, uh, they stood in their position. They held perfectly still and I barely noticed the cameras at all. Uh, the biggest thing is that um, every now and then I'd have a thought creep into my head that I'm like, oh, I've got, you know, all these friends and family back home watching. I can't can't mess up here mm-hmm. and uh, put a little extra pressure on myself. But um, yeah, the cameramen were great. I didn't have any problems there. So tell us about this. You Do you have fans back home that were cheering you on? What was social media like after your second round performance specifically? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, they uh, there were quite a few like watch parties. Um, it looked almost nice. like uh, like a Super Bowl party or something like that. A um, bunch of friends just had these groups. They're all sitting around the TV, uh, cheering for me. So uh, honestly, a great experience. Um, I love all the support I've been getting from the Grand Valley. Um, the guys back here are great, and um, yeah, big shout out to them. It's been awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. The chat, the live chat right now, you probably have fans in here. I don't know if these are your fans asking this question, but there's something about a nickname. Did you get a nickname this weekend or you've always had one? Do you know what they're talking about? Nickname? Goose? Um, Something? uh, Yeah. (laughs) I assume it's the goose thing. Um, (laughs) Honestly, it's not uh, like disc golf specific or this weekend. Um, Everyone throughout my whole life just uh, goes with that. Um, Goes back to uh, my my, my grandfather's cousin is uh, Goose Gossage. Hall of Fame pitcher. So um, everyone just kind of relates that and it fits with the gossage. And then, mm-hmm. of course, I got razzed by the geese on the last hole of the tournament. So <laughs> I mean, it, it all kind of comes together. That's so so what is awesome. the, so what is the nickname officially that you, you've had? Um, I, I don't know for sure, but uh, most people call me Gooseage. <laughs> OK, something like that. Goosage. I'm seeing all different things. Spruce, goose. <laughs> like all. Anyways, great. So you have athleticism running in your family. Who did you say that was? That was a Hall of Fame pitcher? Uh, Goose Gossage, uh, Richard Gossage. Um, he's a, a pitcher um, primarily for the Yankees uh, closer. So, And what was that relation uh, to you? Um, he is my grandfather's cousin. Okay. So um, I believe that's uh, first cousin twice removed. <laughs> there you go. It's traveled to your arm and you can throw really hard. So, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, do you did you play baseball growing up or were you just strictly, once you got into disc golf, that's where you just found yourself. Yeah, I definitely played baseball growing up. I feel like it's almost required if you're in this family. Yeah. Um, every single person, every guy in this family has definitely played baseball at some point. Um, I just uh, didn't quite uh, click for me and uh, the disc golf did. So I just found my stride there and I've, I've really been going with the disc golf ever since. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So not to put you on the spot, but here we go. <laughs> if you were going to choose like what's your bag? What's let me ask you this way. What's in your bag mostly? Do you have a sponsor that you'd like to have lined up? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, to be honest with you, um, I throw plastic from any manufacturer. Um, and I, I have a couple staples in my bag that I've really enjoyed throwing and I rely on. Um, a couple of those are like Cloudbreaker from Dismania, mm-hmm. um, FD3 as well. Um, I throw Zone, one of my favorite discs of all time for sure. I've always thrown destroyers and justice. Um, 
So, I mean, there's just so many discs out there that um, honestly, I, I, I'm not, uh, you know, set on one specific company. Um, I think that everyone has great plastic and they all have their advantages. But uh, those are a couple of the discs that I, I really rely on when I'm playing. Very, very diplomatic. He, he's, he's leaving the doors <laughs> open. Yeah. Um, let me ask this question in this way, because people like to razz me as a show host about how, how I ask some of these questions. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to get this one out. Um, you said that this has been coming for a while, your performance, the way you've been doing it. You feel like this is something that's been building up. You are hitting up pro tours from here on out. Um, do you have expectations for yourself? Do you think we're going to see more performances like this or what, what do you set as a goal for yourself? That's a great question. Um, honestly, especially this weekend, I had, I had no goals. Like I said, I was, I was playing shoot, you know, two, three down, something like that. Um, just try to stay clean, um, stay under par. And, um, I, I don't know, just the past few tournaments, I've really, uh, found my stride. I've been throwing really good drives and, um, yeah, connecting on the putting green. So, um, I, I don't know about the goals or expectations. Um, they're kind of all, uh, changing with every tournament. Like, uh, this was so far above any expectation I would ever have for this tournament that, um, it was just an amazing experience. Was this kind of eye opening in the sense of, okay, I can actually do this. I can go out and compete. I can go out and I can learn to face that pressure in that final round kind of style. Like, was this an eye opening experience of like, I can do this. Yeah, certainly. Um, one of the things um, when you're shooting good rounds is mm -hmm. you can always look back and find a stroke or two that you left out there. Mm -hmm. So just like looking back at that tournament, um, I, I, I could have won, you know, if I if I played perfectly. And that, that is something that's it's nice to know that I, you know, if I clean up a few things in each of those rounds, especially that last round, make a few putts, uh, I, I could be right there up with Eagle. Do you know how many off the top of your head, like how many wins locally you have? And when you if you do, do you travel to other local states for like B tiers, A tiers and stuff like that? Um, I don't know for sure what my, uh, what my wins are. Um, I think I got my first B tier win ever, uh, last weekend, mm -hmm. um, the big picture classic. Um, but mainly I try to stay in Colorado. I think we have got some great golf here, lots of opportunities. Um, I definitely have moved, uh, I've traveled to Arizona, Utah, just some uh, closer stuff there. Like you said, to, mm -hmm. uh, play some different events, but, uh, the, the disc golf in Colorado is amazing. So I can't complain about that. What, what the heck's in the water in Colorado that <laughs> makes it so you guys throw so far? I got, I got to know, do I need to move out to Colorado for an off season to learn how to throw 500 feet? I like, it's killing me. No, what do you, what do you think kind of like propelled you to throw far? Cause it, it, it is a big thing. A lot of Colorado players, Joel Freeman, Eagle, Joe Rivera, yourself, you know, all these players, you got Colton Montgomery are just big distance throwers. Is it like an elevation issue to where you just need to rip on discs? Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Basically. Um, I can't tell you for sure, but, um, I feel like, uh, in order to throw far at, um, this elevation, you have to put more spin on the disc, um, at down at lower elevation, you get, you get glide from having that, um, nice thick air mm -hmm. and then up higher where you got the thinner air, you got it. You got to create that glide yourself with a little bit extra spin. So I think everybody just snaps the disc a little bit harder to get that, that the same flight. And then, uh, yeah, when we move down, we just, uh, we've got a little extra arm speed, a little extra snap, something like that. Mm -hmm. Just a guess. I don't know for sure. Maybe it's just a coincidence, but. Mm -hmm. so, so, no, go ahead. Yeah. Does it require you? So I think you're on the right track with that. That'd be my science guess. Does, do you have to change up your discs? when you come down to normal elevation or does it actually just help just enough to get your disc to maybe go a little further? 
So this is kind of funky. Um, I uh, don't really have enough discs to really change it up. Um, honestly, when I, I moved to different elevations, I just changed my, uh, my disc angle. And um, I think it's a little disadvantage. You know, I, I'm throwing the same discs I do um, up, you know, at mile high, but um, I just got to throw them on hyzer lines instead of on turnover lines. We've got to get him a sponsorship. Yeah, I we, we, I, I mean, <laughs> we would sponsor you here, but I, I mean, we could ship you plastic. We I mean, have. Matt, I mean, Hunter just got some like one fifty destroyers. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got discs. We, if yeah. you come up here to Maple Hill and you get to hang out with us, uh, which I'm not presuming anything, but we'd love to uh, hang out and meet everybody. Uh, we'll, we'll have to find some discs so you can stock up. You got to have a sponsorship by then. That's what I'll say. <laughs> All right. Um. Hey, for people to follow your journey in disc golf. Um, so you can get some sleep tonight too. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, where should they follow you? Instagram, Facebook, where, where's the place? Yeah. Um, I've been posting a little bit on Instagram, but, uh, mainly on Facebook. Um, I've never, never been really big on uh, Instagram for sure. So yeah, uh, I post, uh, you know, pretty much every tournament, um, try to do it, uh, daily as each round uh, progresses throughout it. Um, so yeah, just follow me, um, on Facebook and, uh, see how it goes. Cool. Well, I guess, yeah, Matt, that wraps it up for me. Yep. All right. So, Aaron, it is awesome watching you out there. I'm going to rewatch post round because I watched you live. I'm going to rewatch post round. You've gained a fan in me, and I think many others. The live chat has been very excited that you're on here. Um, we will definitely reach out again uh, as your season progresses. Um, until then, get some rest, safe travels. <laughs> Feel free to reach out if you ever make it back up. Well, you're going to Maple Hill. Reach out and let us know you're in the area. We'd love to meet you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on here. Uh, it's Absolutely. Been a pleasure. Awesome. Take Have a great man. evening. Be safe. Bye. You too. All right, everybody. That was Aaron Gossage, the unsponsored uh, disc golfer who is shooting really well mm -hmm. at a recent event. Nick, was there anything stand stood out to you about that? I mean, definitely has a nice attitude towards it all. I mean, I like the confidence and look, if he had just made up some things, his placement obviously would have been higher. Putting woes affected him a little bit, but uh, definitely liked the confidence. It was good to see. Um, he kind of reminds me in a sense of like last year or two years ago, I think last year, especially, but like when Ezra was only sponsored by OTB and throwing a bunch of different plastics, but same thing, kind of an unsponsored player. And just making a name for himself. And then OTB picks him up. And then now he's on Team Discraft, the elite team. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Like, if Aaron got, like, an Infinite or an OTB sponsorship, <laughs> yeah. like, I think that'd be really cool. Uh, hopefully, one of these big companies definitely is serious about taking a look at him. And I'd be curious. I want to check his PDGA page and kind of just see his stats throughout the years, Pro Tour stats and everything. But, yeah, definitely has the confidence. Well, yeah, because one of the things that stood out to me was when he said the words like, I can compete with Eagle. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we saw him make it to the lead card with Eagle. Yeah. I Now, this is Matt, this is Matt Graham saying this. <laughs> I can't imagine ever being able to say that. Uh, I can dream about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'll throw you under the bus, Nick. Can you ever find yourself saying I can compete with Eagle? Not Definitely not at a Pro Tour event. Maybe if I got lucky right now at a uh, smaller event. Yeah. Or I just shot lights out at Maple Hill when I come back up here. Well, if you, <laughs> you average know. 1,050, yep. whatever, three. Now, speaking of which, yep. Kyle Klein took down Eagle in his home state, mm -hmm. Colorado, last week. Yep. 
That was interesting. Yeah, I think definitely uh, mindset wise, I could definitely see myself playing with any of them. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to really ever prove that when I've been out to Pro Tour events, but it's a learning curve that I think everyone's going to go through. And uh, it's it's cool to see new players popping up like this. Like I do enjoy giving the spotlight to someone who people don't really know about. I, I definitely didn't know about him until this last event. And then I had read stuff about him and I'm excited to actually watch post round coverage. Cause like I said, I haven't seen any post round coverage yet. I'm excited to watch Paul's rounds, Ricky's rounds, Eagles rounds, and then Aaron's rounds now. So uh, it is cool to see, give this kid a platform for a little bit and hopefully, hopefully someone does take notice. He said like, Hey, I got to play with Eagle, you know, as a junior in tournaments mm-hmm. and, and Eagle yeah, I didn't realize he'd been playing like that long. Yeah. yeah. Eagle shouted out him because when I think it was uh, Terry, Disc Golf Network, asked him like, hey, what do you think about Aaron making it onto the lead card? And mm-hmm. Eagle's like, oh, that's so cool out of Colorado. Like he knew yeah. who he was. Yep. So I, I was out of the loop and I don't know how many other players were, but awesome to see that. Um, again, I, I'll just real quick. Kyle Klein took down Eagle in his home state. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, other names. Let's shout out real quick, Ezra Aderhold. He performed fairly well at this tournament. Yeah. I forget what it was now. I want to say it was like 18th. Cracking that top 20. Yeah. Yeah. And um, again, he throws really far. That course was benefit to the far thrower. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's a topic before we get to uh, Paige Pierce tonight. In about 10 minutes, everybody. You sit tight. I know uh, you didn't come to just strictly listen to Nick and Matt. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. But uh, what's holding Jessica Weiss back? Now, full disclosure, we asked her if she would come on the show tonight. She did get back to us. And um, guess what? When you're in your home state and you're in your hometown and you haven't seen your family because you're touring like 100% of the year, it's it's busy. And I can totally appreciate the fact that she's valuing family more than the Nick and Matt show. Agreed. (laughs) Hopefully we can have her on soon though. But yes, we will have her on at some point. Um, But it's still a topic here. What's Mm -hmm. holding Jessica Weiss back? And the premise for that question is we'll see her pop off rounds where she's actually really competitive, like Las Vegas challenge. It happens. Um, It happened here. When I watch her play, Nick, I see all the tools needed. Mm -hmm. What's holding her back from doing this more often. Do you have any insight or speculation? Uh, I would just say my biggest thing watching Jessica play is just her putting. Um, she has a great backhand. She has a very solid forehand. Uh, I think off the tee, she's a great player. Upshots, she has touch. Um, but I do think that putting is what especially is holding him back from competing more so for the win. Uh, for the win. I think when her drives are on, uh, she's putting the disc close to the basket and she's on pace with the way Paige and Katrina do it. But when she's kind of at that 20, 25, 30 plus foot range, now she has to make a big putt. I think that's her issue at the moment. Putting is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to give her not accolades, but I don't know what the right word is here. I watch her throwing form and it's great. Yeah. Her forehand, everything she's got goes into that throw. Yep. And then you think, oh, she's a forehand player. And then you watch her throw her backhand and you just. It's smooth. Yeah. It's got it's good so power great. on it. Yeah. She's got a really good lefty backhand too. <laughs> it's great. So that's yeah. why the question came up. What's keeping, what's holding her back? Because yeah. if she does what she does, if she does this every weekend, mm-hmm. 
she would always be up there. Yeah. Ultimately, it comes down to putting. So without saying it in a mean way, but saying honestly, do you think then she, you know, has, it's just the time she's on the lead cards because she had good putting. I mean, obviously the other good things, but that was the missing factor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would love to get her on and just ask her opinion on what she thinks holding her back because these performances that we get to see on live coverage are like, man, why don't we see this more often? Yes, exactly. All right. Um, so again, we are going to have Paige on, but before we get her on, we can kind of talk about her. Um, do you think Paige Pierce is back in top shape performance? Like her performance level is back at the top. Do, do you feel that way? I know you didn't really fully get to watch her this weekend. Yeah, like just kind of. You want to go back up to the stat mando <laughs> in our part of our show? I think stats wise, I want to say no. Uh, it's really not her tip top form. I mean, at one point this year, she hit what, 996 for a rating update? Mm -hmm. Her event rating average was only 990. So it's clearly not to where she was at one point. Uh, her putting was only 63% in circle one X. That's definitely something that we're not used to seeing it that low. Her tee to green, incredible. We'll always say that, especially at a course like this, she's going to be dominant off the tee pad. But I mean, I think it's a step in the right direction. She's obviously gone down pretty big after the last two ratings updates, but it is good to see a plus 14 average throughout the tournament. It's a step in the right direction and obviously popping off a thousand five round three uh, rating, and that was what one stroke less than the course record, and that was able to hold off Katrina for the win. So she still has the confidence, she still has that clutch mentality of she is able to close out a tournament. I think as she irons out all these details that's going on in her life right now, we will see Paige get to that top performance. But I think what we saw kind of at the beginning of the year and last year is they, you know, Paige. She was dominant. You know, she was the best player, obviously the best female player in the world. And so I think kind of took a little hit this year. Um, I don't know if it was the potential kind of like pressure of that thousand rated mark being the first ever female thousand rated player. That's definitely something we can ask her about. But yeah. um, to go back to the original question, no, I don't think this is her peak performance, but it's definitely not a bad performance. She played incredible. She got the win. And I think we are going to see improvements throughout the year. Yeah, it held off. And that's what's the interesting part. If this is not her peak performance, her three round performance was enough to hold off Kat coming yeah. very strong in the final round, which that's a whole nother topic. Katrina Allen. I feel like we're seeing her, you know, how Ricky said, I forget what it was. It was take one step or two steps back one, or one step yeah, back, two steps it, forward. Exactly. I feel like, and again, we'll have to get Kat on here someday. Um, that is what's happening with Kat because we saw this like excellent performance at Jonesboro, like mm -hmm. stellar. And then we saw a little bit of an underwhelming performance at the next event um, at DDO. And like, just, I, I, no, I don't want to say underwhelming. She performed well with Haley King, yep. but coming down the final stretch, they'll back nine is I guess what I'm thinking. Yeah. She started faltering, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we saw another event where that was the case. But then we see this positive performance here. It's like, I think she's doing one of those, like, one step back, two steps forward. And we're just going to, I think this is pretty much yeah. what we're going to start seeing consistently, let's say, throughout the next half of the season. Yeah. I think this Katrina that we're seeing this year is better than the Katrina that we saw last year. 
stats wise, I, I'm just saying that off of face value of like what I'm reading, what I'm watching this year. Um, so I don't hundred percent know if that's actually true, but for the most part, I do feel like this Katrina, she looks better on the green. She looks better throwing the disc right now. Um, she talks a lot on her Instagram about the different diet that she's doing now and working out, taking cold showers and everything like that. So I do think we're seeing a very much improved Katrina Allen. So I'm curious to see how this kind of this rivalry keeps growing throughout the year, especially as we have the first women's majors coming up. We have worlds coming up at the end of June, uh, just about a month from now. So we have incredible tournaments being lined up. So I'm curious to see how this rivalry goes. It is a good rivalry. In fact, Paige brought up in so many words, she brought up this rivalry and the way it's developed over the years. I think mm -hmm. we'll get an opportunity to hopefully ask her about that. Um, but before we do that, we've got about five minutes till we bring Paige in. I wanted to show you something. Shout out to Stat Mando. Again, they provide our stats for us on the Nick and Matt show. Go check them out at Twitter, um, at Stat Mando for cool stats. And Nick, we were on a phone call with them. And I yeah. can't I can't give full disclosure yet because they're not ready for this. But they are working on a project. I'll put it that way. That if and when they release it is going to be one of the coolest stat projects I've ever seen in the disc golf world. Mm -hmm. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's going to be very neat and a very cool. I'll just I'll use the word tool. All right. Um, but that being said, last week I brought this up, Nick, as a passing conversation. Stat Mando ran with it. And here we go. I said, did Paul Macbeth have an advantage in four round events, like a tournament where four rounds are played. Does yep. he win more often? You ready for this? Yeah. What do you think? What do you think the answer was? We, we kind of just talked about it. Basically. What I, did you think? I, I would have said yes all day. Okay. So the way this works is they went back to 2017. So that's not that long ago, but that's, that's recent performance. Okay. And four round events. All right. If we look at the top performers in the MPO, Macbeth, Wysocki, Heimberg, McMahon, and then let's throw Lazat in there. I know he's not a 1,050 guy, but we're throwing him in there. Yeah. Big All right. Name. He's a big name. Paul Macbeth, out of those four names or those five names that I listed, wins four round events more often than any of them. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with head-to-head -head or anything of that nature. This is just like, hey, when this player plays a four-round event, how many do they win? So Paul won seven out of 26 four-round events. So you go, that doesn't sound that crazy. That's, uh, what is the percentage here? Let me see. That is 26% win. When Wysocki plays four-round events, he only wins 20% of them. Mm -hmm. Heimberg, 12%. McMahon, 22%. Um, and Lysot, 5% of his four-round events. So Paul wins four-round events more often than the other players. But when you compare four round events, and this is where it gets a little deep, to three round events, Paul way underperforms. And I don't know if that's because the number of four round events is less, but the percentages are here. When Macbeth plays a three round event, he almost wins 50% of the events he plays. Mm -hmm. Look at that stat in the last four years. Yeah. And then three round events, Wysocki's at 28%. Heimberg's at 5% of the three-round events. McMahon is at 15% of the three-round events. Mm -hmm. So, and this is elite series events only. Majors, Disc Golf Pro Tour, and NTs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought it was interesting. They play about the same amount of four-round events, each of those players. You can mm -hmm. see it right there on the stats. Yep. And Macbeth wins more. So, I think it's true, but it's not massive. It's kind of interesting. 
yeah, no, definitely, definitely not massive. I'm curious to see like all the different events. Here they so, are. Yeah, I was gonna say, is this what they are right now? <laughs> so we're not gonna list them all. There's yeah, yeah. there's sixty something events here that they've played. But besides Macbeth, which you can see have won a lot of them. You have James Conrad in there somewhere. Coling's in there once. Garthy's in there. Uh, so they have low percentage, obviously, wins. Heimberg, yeah. LeCastro, they all have wins. Um, Sexton has a win. Well, this Kevin is, Jones has a win. Yeah. Barsby, Dickerson. This is, this is something that you talked about actually on your other show, but what do you prefer, three rounds or four rounds? I think a four-round event, when the venue is right and the stage is set, like meaning I like it for majors. I like it for large. I'm okay with it for like the large NT, like the DDO. I was going to say, so do you like it for the DDO but, and stuff like that? But to me, I feel like, and this is my opinion on it. If it's going to be a four round event, I do want to see more than one course. Yes. That's, I agree. That's where I'm at. The only one that I'm kind of like not super cared about if it's multiple courses is USCGC. Like, I feel like because it's been on that course for so long that We've just gotten so accustomed to seeing the changes of that course kind of, and they change pin positions. So it kind of like changes a little bit here and there, but excuse me, for the most part, I do enjoy, I, I see, I like multiple course events. I think it adds something to it. I think it adds, I don't, I don't like three courses like Vegas did. I don't really care for that, but for the most part, I, uh, I do enjoy watching multiple courses. I love four round tournaments. There's a cool feeling of making the cut. And there's a great feeling of getting cash after a four-round tournament and everything like that. So, that preferably, I like doing those. Yeah, four-round events, totally. I think it's enjoyable, again, especially when I said the venue and the stage are set. That's mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. So, yeah. um, let's see here. <clears throat> we're working on getting in. First time ever guest to the Nick and Matt show. And uh, we're really excited about it. I think the chat is pretty excited about it, too. Let's see here. Yeah, we, they are. So <laughs> without further ado, just wanted to make sure we're all set up here. Let's go ahead and bring in five-time world champion and very many other accolades, which we're not going to list right now. Paige Pierce, Yeah. Uh, let me get this audio up for us. I just realized I had it off. Welcome to the show. Where are you calling us from today? Oh, I am calling from Auburn, California. This is where the U.S. Women's Championship is in just a few days. So just rolled into town a couple hours ago. And thanks for working with me. I know I haven't been on the show yet, so excited to be here. And uh, it's a busy week. So, yeah. Well, we're glad you could make the time and come on the show. Uh, it's definitely been something that we've all wanted. I know a ton of the people in the chat uh, and fans who watch this show have really been wanting to kind of like hear pretty much everything that's going on in your life right now. So how, do you have a couple of days to practice the courses? How many courses are you guys playing for this? This is the first major of the year, right? Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. So um, it's actually kind of a bummer. I just vented on Instagram about it. Um, we play three courses mm -hmm. and it's a three day tournament. So we only play each course once. And uh, I, I just think that that's not, a professional way to run a tournament. I understand the TDs wanting to show off all their courses in the area. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that that should be the stage for a major championship. I think that the major is the highest level of the tournament. And from my perspective, and I think a lot of the fans would agree, you want to see the top players in the world performing at their best. And when you have to prepare for three different courses, you have to learn three different courses um, in three days, 
you're not really going to get your best golf. You're going to see your best golf when it's one course and we can really learn that course, learn every single aspect of the course. And that's what all uh, men's majors do. So I'm not sure exactly why the PDJ keeps allowing us uh, to play or approving us to play at multiple different venues. This is like the fifth or sixth year in a row where we have done this. And uh, I, I think it's really unfortunate. They're kind of like overlooking this and uh, kind of kind of making a statement that it doesn't matter as much as the men's majors. And, you know, here you go, go, go learn these courses. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm that's like annoying to me. One, I didn't know it was only three rounds. That sucks because Matt and I were literally just talking about major championships should be four round, five round events uh, with a cut line. It should have that professionalism to it. Two courses. Mm-hmm. We think multiple courses is great, but I totally get, you know, three courses in three days. That's 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 no fun. I, I don't like that at all. Do you have any insight page into I know you said you don't know why they're allowing it, but why? Do the TDs and those working, I'm not asking you to call out specific TDs, are they unaware of the desire of professionals? Um, well, I'm not sure. And and I actually don't know this the tournament director of this event specifically, but like I said, it's been the past five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's more on the governing body, the PDGA, to say, hey, no, we require one, ter- one course for the pros. Maybe they, they have four different courses in the area that they want to show off, but put those, put those courses into use for the amateurs and the juniors yep. and the masters. Um, but you know, it's, it just, I, I don't even know who to contact. <laughs> I, I, you know, added the PDJ and trying to make some phone calls because I mean, it's too late for this event, but this, yep. this can't keep happening. This absolutely can't keep happening. And I'm definitely going to let the TD here know, but um, I think that there's nothing that they can really do about it for now. It's just kind of making everyone more aware that if you guys really want to see the best golf, the way that that is going to happen is to allow us time to prepare this one course. And I think it's cool for the fans as well to see Oh wow! Yesterday she hit first available. Is she going to correct it? Um, yeah. So I I think it's cool to have that aspect of it. Or you know, when think about Winthrop and think about hole seventeen. You know, every fan, even if you haven't been there, knows about hole seventeen, and they they typically know the player's history on it. Like oh, you know, Big Germ has never made this island or whatever. That's not a real life example, but <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, yeah. like. It, it just yeah, builds uh, sure. community and, and yep. it, yeah, I think that uh, part of the problem is that we're not getting a whole lot of bids for majors. Um, so I don't know how many bids the U S women's got this year, but I know world's only got two different bids. So um, it seems like we are having a hard time finding tournament directors and, support crew that want to run high level tournaments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation I'm not prepared to have tonight, but you're right. <laughs> um, let, 
Let's ask. Let's start this off. Your pr- performance. Congratulations on your win. We didn't even get to that. Thank you. <laughs> the yeah. OTB yeah, yeah, Open. Yeah. Um, it was great to watch you perform out there. But I'm interested in your perspective on a scale of one to ten. And we do this with a lot of our performance uh, interviews. Uh, one being okay. the worst tournament performance that you've ever had, and ten being the greatest <laughs> tournament performance you've ever had. How do you rate this last weekend's performance? Oh, I would. I would not say it was my best I've ever had, but it was pretty high up there. I, I, I played really well. I've been throwing the disc really well, but just not being able to convert on my putts. Um, you know, the, the last few tournaments I I've missed quite a few inside the circle and this event, um, not only was I hitting a majority of my putts inside the circle, but I nailed probably seven or eight outside the circle putts, jump putts and step putts. So, um, yeah, to simplify it into a number, I guess, I don't know, maybe like eight or nine. It was it was pretty good. I had an eagle and, um, you know, battling down with Katrina down the stretch mm-hmm. was uh, very nerve-wracking. And it's just a long, taxing course. You know, I walked like 15,000 steps each day. So, yeah. you know, almost 50,000 steps and on a par 70 course going mm-hmm. against like my biggest rival of all time with one or two strokes separating us, it was, it was a pretty sweet battle. So I guess, you know, maybe we'll say nine. Wow. Nice. I'm, I'm actually, that's cool. That's cool. I don't know what my reaction is. I'm yeah. going to have to like dwell on that later. Like page said a nine. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's funny. Cause whenever you ask people, how'd your round go more often than not, they say, Oh man, it could have been so yeah. much better. Yeah. And I kind of like the, you know, honesty that you have, like, hey, I played great. I was throwing the disc great off the tee and everything like that. But in your post-round interview, you did mention that your putts are, you know, throws being a little less consistent lately. You're obviously, you're working on it with everything. Um, Where do you think kind of the inconsistencies have come in the last few tournaments? Is it, you know, kind of like just lack of practice or you got so much going on right now? Where do you think the inconsistencies are kind of building up at the moment? Yeah, definitely just in my mind. Definitely not a lack of practice. I've been practicing a lot. Um, But it's more just like I can't get the thoughts out of my head while I'm up at the basket, you know. Um, There's certain tournaments or moments where you're just so excited to putt and you're just like, this is my favorite part of the game. Let's put it in the basket. And there's other tournaments where you're scared of the basket and you can't you know, you can't think of it going in. You just think of all the things that could go wrong. And that's kind of been my mindset for the last couple events. And, uh, you know, when you're timid and you're on the putting green, it's never going to go well. And, you know, then after one bad tournament of putting, it builds in your head and then two bad tournaments. And then the media starts asking you all about it. And then it becomes (laughs) your whole story. And now everyone is writing this narrative that, I'm inconsistent and I'm having a bad season and it just adds to uh, all the thoughts going on in my head already. And yeah, I I think that it's just been a mental struggle for the last month or two. And um, Mm -hmm. I feel very, very happy that I was able to overcome that this weekend and kind of turn those voices off. That, that was going to be my follow-up question because I loved that answer. And I want to say to Connor, who does all of our clips and everything, I want to clip this whole section in the sense of like, <laughs> because I, I totally understand. And there are so many people in the world who totally understand to where one weekend you can be putting incredibly well. And then you have a weekend where it's just like, you're scared to putt from 15 feet. So where do you think now, where did that confidence come back? Like, what do you think pushed you over the edge of like, you stepped up to that putt and you said, yeah, this is my favorite part of the game. I am able to do this. 
Yeah, um, I think it's, I think, you know, there's a few things, but, you know, part of it is that this craft let me design my perfect putter. Like, and so just like literally like spending more time with it. Um, mm -hmm. When I was in Hawaii, it putted every single day, whether it was raining or not. And, um, you know, I was just kind of like sitting there with the disc, like looking at it. And I was like, you know, I designed this thing. Like, this is my exact perfect putter. Just put how you put mm -hmm. and it's going to go into the basket. And, um, you know, and just be proud of it. Be proud of my putting stroke. Be proud of this putter that I created and to send it home, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, that was something where maybe I had a few death putts um, over the last few tournaments and then I missed them. And then it just, uh, what's it called? Spiraled out of control. That yeah. I'm not a good putter and, you know, all the doubts creeped in. So I think just reconnecting with my putter specifically mm -hmm. and then remembering how good it feels to just jam it in from 40 feet. Um and then making it happen and executing it. Exactly. Man, you're connecting with me and I think the audience at a very deep level right now because like this is something that every disc golfer struggles with. But to hear Paige Pierce, five-time world champion, say <laughs> these same things, it's very it's very relatable. Um, and I know you're a fairly introspective person just based off of what you share publicly in social media. And I feel like it seems apparent that you've taken some time to figure out how am I going to master this? And that's cool. That's another challenge you're overcoming. Um, let me, let me ask this it, because you brought it up. We're kind of going off of things that you've brought up in your post interviews, uh, post round interviews or your press conferences. But I found it interesting okay. in your, um, post round interview with Terry after you won and Terry alluded to like, Hey, you know, page and cat battle. And you said, yeah, tail as old as time. And it was like, everyone's like, yeah, like those were, those were good memories for us too. Um, but you said, you know, you used to be friend, best friends at one point. You said we're two of the best players in the world. Um, can I ask how things have developed in your competitive relationship with Cat over the years? It's like where it is now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a decade of a story. So um, that's to, a loaded question. To help you. Matt. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, it is. But to help, maybe to help you out just a little bit. To help you out just a little bit to decide how you want to answer that, if you want to answer that. Um, we asked Ricky the same question about Paul Macbeth, and he told us, hey, yeah, we used to tour together, room together. And at some point, it just didn't make sense because it's hard to be that much of a rival competitor and do that. I'm just curious if, if you feel like there was a trend or a wave up and down over these past 10 years with her to where you are now. And maybe you could just talk about where you're at now, because you said it's great. You have yeah. nothing but love for each other is what you said in your post round interview. Yeah, I mean, we, we, same thing. We used to travel together, tour, tour together. The first tournament that I met her at was U.S. Women's in, I think it was 2010, maybe. Um, I can't remember the exact year, but I met her there. Um, and there was like this like house party kind of thing. And I was out back putting. And, you know, the only person outside, everybody's inside dancing, whatever, talking. And then Katrina comes outside with putters and she's putting as well. And we are just like putting together, talking uh, about disc golf. And we hit it, hit it off. And um, 
she ended up winning. She was playing amateur at that time and she ended up winning the tournament and expressed her desire to take the sport more seriously, move up to professional. And I sent her uh, like extended an invitation for her to come play the veterans park open, which is a eight year in Dallas, Texas near my dad's house. And, um, just a couple months later, maybe like a month later. And she ended up taking me up on it. She flew into Dallas. I picked her up and she stayed with me and we kind of uh, started traveling, not necessarily in the same vehicle, but, you know, kind of caravanning, staying at the same places mm-hmm. and practicing together. Um, and then, yeah, kind of, I guess, like similar to what Ricky's saying, like at a certain point, it, you know, you want to decompress after your round and nine times out of 10, the person that we're battling is each other. And so, you know, when you're competing on the course and then you're trying to sit there and have dinner together, it just sometimes it creates for awkward moments. And, uh, you know, so there was heated moments here and there, there was frustration, there was, you know, all kinds of stuff. There was, you know, support, all the good emotions, all the bad emotions, everything was there. And, uh, we're spending every single day together pretty much. I mean, you guys kind of know this, but at home, you might not realize that the people that you see at every tournament, we are family. We are absolutely family, whether we like each other or not. We see each other every single week. And the people out here know what's going on in my life more than my mom and dad do just because I see them every day. Mm -hmm. And as much as I call my mom and tell her what's going on with me, she doesn't you know, it's not the same. And so, you know, we all develop very, very strong bonds. And even though there's rocky times, you know, there's respect and love and appreciation for each other. And um, yeah, I think that we are both kind of growing and understanding that, you know, anything that happens on the course, it, it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, as far as how we want to treat each other. I mean, we're both stubborn, hard-headed, and uh, rivals, competitors, not com- not rivals, I didn't mean to say that word there, but competitors to the death. Like, we are both so competitive, and, you know, one thing can happen, and it just, you go into your own lane, and, and sometimes being quiet can be mistaken as being mad, and when you don't communicate certain things, then that can spiral down as well, so... Honestly, we've we've come a long way over the years, and I think that you know we're we're in a place where uh, we both respect each other's game a lot, and yeah. we're not hanging out after any tournaments. But uh, you know, we have we have fun battling, and every time we we uh, finish up a tournament, I'm ready for the next one. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Thank you so much for being uh, transparent in your response there. I think this makes for everybody, fans all around the world, they love to hear this stuff. Can I follow up and just say that I've noticed in you more, and again, this is just through only what you share publicly. I don't I don't hang out with you. Um, but what you share publicly is you, you've been really giving high praise to all these FPO players this year. Now, you may have done that over the previous years, but I've recognized it a lot more it since I don't know the beginning of this season let's say you're just so much congratulating and putting all the spotlight it seems very humbling like from your perspective you're full of humility um 
what's this excitement like to you to watch all these FPO players play? And then obviously did it inspire you to like, Hey, I need to step up my game. Uh, I was thinking that I need to step up my game this weekend, actually, you know, squeaking out the win by one when I thought it was a nine. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely need to step up my game. I, I, I gotta get more distance training going on these, you know, that is what Paige Pierce is known for is distance and I'm getting out drove by Kona and Ella Hansen. So, um, yeah, I definitely need to work on that and sidearms. I, I need to develop a stronger sidearm in my game. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm throwing sidearm, you know, 270 max, and I need to get it at least 320 dialed. Um, I think that that is a definite necessity for next season. Um, but yeah, as far as, uh, you know, congratulating other players, that is, you might not have been paying attention very long then, I guess, Matt. Um, I have a whole YouTube series called nice line where yes. I have, uh, you know, praised other, other women's shots. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. it's something that we all do, um, in tournament rounds, but if you don't see it, you don't know it. So I decided to put it on a YouTube series and kind of show the, the sports womanship and the just the incredible shots that are being thrown that get pushed under the radar. You know, the women's videos are getting, you know, 15,000 views uh, compared to the men's 100,000. So their shots buried and they're on YouTube. They're for everyone to mm -hmm. see. But for some reason, people aren't clicking the videos. So, you know, just give them like a three minute shortened clip where they can see the best shot Lisa threw all weekend or the best shot Jessica Weiss threw all weekend. And, um, yeah, I think that there's, there's so many shots that I will remember for my whole life. Um, and I think that those should be displayed for everyone to see. So yeah. definitely applaud every, every good shot. And, uh, it's, it's awesome to have the fans back and have them also applauding shots and not just like yeah. the one, so exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to say thank you. <laughs> You're calling me out. I actually have seen your um. You talk about the line. Like, wh what did you call that YouTube series? The perfect nice line. line. Nice line. I watched that, and so I want to say I actually have seen you doing this for a long time. I guess that is in your character, but I guess I just feel like I've noticed it when that was back when you were always winning the tournaments. <laughs> you come into this year, and there's a lot of other people winning. And it's just interesting. Maybe it's just in my head to see someone who is winning almost every event, just being like the high praised everybody who's winning and just being like, good job. It's in your character. So it's not new, but it's just a unique thing for us this year. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's, that's my recap to that. <laughs> okay. It's more, yeah, I, don't yeah. know. I, just, I think you just got to focus on, on the positives in everything, you know, like maybe the person is like slightly frustrated visibly because it came out of their hand a little bit early, but you know, don't talk about why, why it was bad and that it came out of their hand early. Just talk about, Oh, that was a sweet angle. You know, just those kind of compliments that are thoughtful and obviously you're paying attention are the kinds of compliments that make a player stay in a positive mindset. And that's what Des Redding did for me when I was growing up. So, you know, she was, she would, instead of nice shot good shot she would say wow that was a really good wind read and you know perfect nose angle into that wind and i'm like wow she's really paying attention to my yeah. shot so i've always kind of wanted to extend that same courtesy and 
really pay attention to the other players on my card, not just where their disc lands mm -hmm. or where they went OB, but what exactly they are making the disc do. And I think it shows um, when the card starts all hyping each other up, it shows in our scores that, you know, there's good vibes on the card and I think it's just better for everyone. Yeah. I definitely think having a card that is engaged with each other does create an easier round and hopefully, you know, a happier round, better scores and everything like that for people on the card. But um, in another post-round interview, uh, press conference, I should say this year, you've talked about how you've recruited help for your touring and communication efforts. So you're kind of building yourself a team with the Paige Pierce tour, the Paige Pierce life in disc golf. Can you kind of elaborate on what that is and what that means to the outside person? Um, yeah, I just, I mean, for my whole disc golf career up until three months ago, two months ago, maybe, um, I have been a one woman show, just, uh, everything that you see that has Paige Pierce on it, I've done by myself. So, um, yeah, yes, I'm a disc golf athlete. I am, uh, you know, the number one ranked player in the world, but that comes with a lot more responsibilities than just getting birdies and, and winning tournaments. Mm -hmm. Um, these days, you know, sponsors want you to be a YouTube celebrity. They want you to, uh, you know, the media wants you to do all these commercials and, um, you know, you have to negotiate your own contracts. And for me, I mean, I'm almost 30 now, but, you know, back when I was 19, 23, you know, I was having to be the one to negotiate my sponsorships and, you know, at 24 years old, already having three world titles and trying to solidify myself a better career and a better contract. Um, I didn't even know how to talk to another human being yet. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, I'm very reactionary. And I think I got that from my dad. Um, and I, I should not have been the one talking to the CEOs of these companies. Yep. Um, so I think that it, it it's taught me a lot over the years and I'm really grateful for having done that myself, but I think it was time for me to start taking some of those, um, roles off of my plate. Um, so I hired some people to do my YouTube channel. So, um, I'm still going to be the one videoing, uh, the stuff, but I'm no longer going to be editing or uploading or posting. Um, I hired like a whole video guy for that and I hired a graphics guy. So he's kind of doing all of my, uh, anything graphics. There's yeah. so many things. Yeah, um, oh yeah. yeah. And then, uh, I have a assistant who is kind of managing my social media currently he is uh he just started really so we're kind of figuring out exactly what you know how much he can handle um because there's a lot of things that i am still doing um but yeah he's handling my social media and my yeah nice that's that's it for now and yeah. i have uh you know looking for like an agent and like maybe like some sort of like financial advisor or something. Mm -hmm. Wow. The fact that disc golf is even here, like 
it, it's just, it's so cool. Cause Ricky talks about having a, you know, assistant. It's just like disc golf is growing so fast. Um, so to go back into a little bit of this last year, just a little bit, you've been one player in my mind who stands out is really loving to travel internationally. You've done the whole, um, tour, you know, the tourist trips and all that. Um, and you just see it in general, in fact, traveling to Hawaii, <laughs> but, but that's because, and, and you can elaborate on this COVID put a halt to most international travel. realistically has Hawaii been a getaway for you that helps fill that void of travel. <laughs> and is it true that you're looking to buy property there, Paige? <laughs> spill the, spill the, <laughs> spill the deets. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I love international travel. I think it's awesome to see the way that different people live, um, you know, growing up, you're so you're under your parents' house household, and that's that's what life is to you. And then you start hanging out with friends, and you go over to their houses as a teenager, and you see, oh wow, they do this differently. And you know that just expanded for me into traveling throughout the states and and seeing the different types of lifestyles over the states. And then I want to know more, like what's the whole world like, and um. Yeah, so it's it's really cool to learn all the all about the different cultures that that are all over the world, and um, I think Hawaii is kind of different for me not not kind of in that same uh, realm of of things of like why I wanted to go there, um, but yeah, I think international travel for me has been about exploring Hawaii there was, there was an element of that for sure. I had never been there before. And, um, I wanted to go see, see it. But, um, for me, it was kind of more of like, where can I go? That's warm that I can train and where can I go that there won't be any distractions. And by distraction, I mean, self-service. Um, we are so guilty of this like generally speaking i know but which i try not to do but it is so true like we are glued to our phones so often if there's ever silence or a moment of like discomfort we just grab our phone like it's just like our little teddy bear that mm -hmm. we had as a kid mm -hmm. and so i wanted to go somewhere where i didn't have self-service i wanted to go somewhere where there was no people saying page pierce page pierce um it's just, I live my life under a magnifying glass. And if I go to any disc golf course, I, it's like, I can't even practice because so many people are coming up to me. Um, and yeah, I wanted to just get away from all of it and just go focus on myself and focus on disc golf and be somewhere warm that I enjoyed. And it was, it was 10 of 10 better than expected. And, um, yeah, I, I wanted to start looking at properties and see what, what, um, what could be. And I'm still looking, I haven't pulled the trigger quite yet. I'm trying to be a little bit more patient, but that's not really in my, <laughs> in my bones. <laughs> I'm kind of the type of person that like, when you're ready, you're ready. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to put the brakes on and just like make sure that it's exactly what I want to do. I know that I want to spend a lot of time there. Um, but yeah, just trying to not rush it and, and decide. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm happy for you on that front. I, again, 
just a little bit of time. I've got to hang out very little bit of time with you. I, th- I think that's something that is important to you. And you're even saying mm-hmm. it now. And I'm glad you're able to recharge in that way. Do you feel like it was enough recharge for the rest of the season? Or are you going back to Hawaii? Oh, man. I don't know if it's if it's going to be enough. Just just I mean purely because yeah. of, I mean this is this is like truly a blessing and a curse that disc golf is growing so much because um it, it's awesome like we want as many people throwing discs as possible like it's just so there's so much joy in it and you can see when you're at a course like everyone's smiling everyone's having a great time and um but the negative is I mean, there's so many tournaments like yeah. we, they're just making more and more tournaments because of the the demand. And, you know, I take two weeks off and it's like I'm getting all these messages like, are you OK? Or like, oh, I'm so glad you're back. And it's like, what? I took two weeks off and like yeah. now I'm like chopped liver. And <laughs> so it's it's funny, like you really people want instant gratification and they want, they want to scroll and they want to see what you're doing all the time. And it's funny if you don't post for a few days or go to a certain tournament, it's like, you know, earth shattering news. And I don't think it's enough of a recharge just because for the rest of the year, I don't have another off week. I have the week in between Utah open and worlds off, but that's a practice, you know, that's, yeah that's focusing up for worlds yeah yeah world starts on a tuesday so um i'm obviously not gonna play that you know three days prior um but that is my only off weekend besides the delaware nt um but i think i'm gonna end up signing up for that since i did miss ddo um i wasn't intending on playing that but i think i'll i'll end up playing there i want to get a competitive round in at, at iron hill anyway i love that place so Um, yeah, I don't have another break for the rest of the year until November. So my body's super sore already. And now here we go. Got to go learn three courses right now. So, yeah, that's, that's what's wild. And, you know, obviously talking with Paul all the time, even his schedule is super busy. And I feel like a lot of players, even locally, there's so many local tournaments going now in each state that like players are playing every, I was looking at. You know, my schedule is obviously a lot less than what the touring pro is doing. But in the month of July, I have a B tier, a C tier, an A tier and a B tier. So every weekend of July is filled up with a disc golf tournament. And I love it because for me, I get to do it more as a fun hobby, something that I'm really pushing to try to get a lot better at. Um, But for you guys where you're playing courses, like you said, 15,000 steps a day, you know, almost 50,000 steps. That doesn't even include the practice rounds that you put in at that course. Like. Your body, I just played Lake Marshall and my body is dead. I drove seven hours back to Massachusetts and I was like, I woke up for work this morning and I'm like, my, my hips are toast right now. I was like, I can't imagine what it's like for the touring pros going out, driving multiple hours to these events, going out. And now you get up, like you just said, you got to practice three courses in three days. Um, I guess yeah. kind of talking on the lines of that, what is your... Like, how do you practice for this? What is your mentality going into practicing three different courses? Are you just going to spend all day at one course? Yeah, it's it's different for every tournament. But you're, are you asking specifically for this Yeah, I would tournament? say specific because obviously a lot of the tournaments um, you've played multiple years at. Like, let's mm-hmm. say Maple Hill. It changes a little bit, but you've played that tournament and you've been successful right. at that tournament so many times. But now you have U.S. Women's, a major, three different courses. How are you preparing for this tournament? Right. Yeah. So 
that that's what I was going to say. Like courses that I've, mm-hmm. we play the same tournament all the time yeah. that those weeks can be a little bit more of like, okay, recoup, you know, yep. reset days and, and, uh, recovery days. But here I, I've never seen any of these three courses. So I actually just played the first one, uh, Shady Oaks. Um, I just left there and I'm currently, um, in the parking lot of Auburn, which is one of the other ones. So after I get off here, I'm going to at least go throw nine holes. Um, oh, that's right. You guys still have daylight. Yeah. Yeah. It's only five thirty. Yeah. So good point. Good point. Got some time. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think at least get one round in on each early in the week and, uh, hopefully I finish this whole round before I lose daylight today. And then the last one in the morning Mm -hmm. and then, you know, at lunch kind of process, okay, which course do I need to see again? Mm -hmm. And which one's the most important? Do I go play the, the one that we play the final day again, just Mm -hmm. because it's the final day and maybe Mm -hmm. I'll need to maintain my lead or maybe I'll need to make a huge move from 10th place. You know, that's kind of stuff that I think about or, you know, just which one, which one's the most technical that has more options, uh, fairway wise. Um, or also these courses, they're pretty short. Um, they're pretty short. So it's also like, maybe I go play the shortest one and make sure that I'm getting these birdies. Otherwise, you know, a player that is maybe nine, 10 rated, she could come out here and shoot the hot round. That that round. So it's a, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. And, and that's, that's part of my concern with this is I don't think, I don't know how controversial this is going to be, but I think it needs to be said like the disc golf pro tour is on top of it. They are absolutely changing the way that professional disc golf is being, is being shown. And, and, uh, not just shown, but the back end side of it, you know, they're setting up the course. They're, they're making polls for us. You know, did we do a good job on the tee pads? Did we do a good job on the baskets? Any improvements we can be made. Mm-hmm. And the PDJ has never one time done that for us um, on the national tour. So yep. that was another reason I skipped CD open. I'm trying to kind of in a small way, boycott the national tour. I got you. Um, I think that they are not interested in the professional side of the sport. Um, they don't, they don't really care about us or if they do, I would like to challenge them on that and show us, you know, please make some sort of effort, come out to the tournaments. We don't even see the PDJ ever. And, um, you know, I wonder if they even were here. I wonder if they were even here and, critiqued these courses and said, why are we making them play three courses? Mm -hmm. Why are we making them throw 240 foot putter shots? These, the athletes in the FPO division are so good right now. Ella Hansen's throwing 445 feet and she's just coming onto the scene. You know, Haley King's winning national tours. She's got a sidearm that is so powerful and we're making these players throw 240 foot shots. It, it really seems to me as though something needs to be changed and you know, I don't have enough words to, to, to express my like disappointment 
Yeah, I'll say this. I don't think there's anything controversial about that at all. I think that's all the truth, to be honest. And I think a majority of the people would agree with that. And I've heard that said a lot to where the PDGA is not backing the players like they should be. And especially now we're hearing it on the FPO side um, compared to what the Disc Golf Pro Tour is doing. So I would love to see maybe in the future if this actually happens, but the kind of DGPT split, focus on the pros and let the PDGA actually focus on the amateur side of stuff. And maybe that's what happens in the future. Maybe not. But yeah, I, I could totally see the frustrations that you're getting out of it. And obviously, you know, we all wish you the best of luck. We know you're going to go out there, practice these courses the way you're going to do it. You're going to compete like this is any other weekend, if not even better. Um, but yeah, I, so, I totally get what you're saying on that. And Nick and Nick says, I don't think it's controversial. But that's because he's not Paige Pierce. Paige, you do yeah, have a different, yeah, yeah. you do have a different weight to what you say. And if Nick and Matt say it on our show, it's not as big of a deal. <laughs> but when Paige says it, and she knows this, and I think, Paige, I appreciate what you're saying. And I think it needs to be heard. I agree as well. And the way that you said it, is not accusatory. It says, I don't know. And I've reached out. So hopefully someone reaches out to you and they can fill mm-hmm. you in on the details. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. And getting ready just to wrap this up so you can get in your practice round. We don't want to prevent you from winning in a, t- a tournament. Exactly. <laughs> um, are you trying to get to a thousand rated? Is that a thing or are you just more concerned uh, with your performance? Well, that's a really sad thing that happened. I was trying to kind of forget about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very close. I was very, very close. 996, I got to. Um, but, you know, over the last four tournaments, I I don't know. I didn't actually look at the ratings because I knew that they weren't good. Um, and I just didn't want to see the number attached to it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, my rating dropped to, like, 975-ish. Um so, you know, that was a huge decrease in points and it was absolutely one of my biggest goals. Um, and it's unfortunate that, you know, a few, a few tournament, you know, I, I definitely deserved a drop. I did not shoot anywhere close to my potential and I understand that, but in my mind, it's like so sad that years worth of hard work can disappear over four tournaments. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know if I'm saying that we need a new system, we need a new way for it to work, but it seems a little bit unfair that so many years of good shooting can be erased by four tournaments. And, you know, I, I try not to get into the ratings too much, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think that it's, it's a really sad thing for me. But yeah, to answer your question simply, yes, that is a big goal of mine. Um, but now, unfortunately, it seems like it's going to be quite a while before that can be a possibility again. I, I don't think I've ever done this on the show, Nick. I feel very bad about the way I asked that question. It came off as callous and I did not intend it that way. I was like, is that a thing? No, no worries. Okay. I, I've never apologized and people. No, usually... it's just a soft spot. Okay. It's just a soft spot for me. Yeah. I, I felt it. I was like, oh that my. That day was so sad when I woke yeah. up and I saw it. I was like. Oh, cause I knew it was going to drop. Like, obviously, I, you know, mm-hmm. I knew it was going to drop, but I didn't realize it was going to be that much. And so it was just like, Oh, I was so sad yeah. that day. And like, you just sent me back to it. That's I, all. I it went... was nothing about, <laughs> nothing about like how you asked it or anything. Okay. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, good. I can sleep well. tonight. I, I, 
I was asking the question more in the sense of like, is that a thing? Like, are you trying to? And I forget that. Yeah, it was a significant hit to it. Um, but, you know, Brody's big in the game now. He's like, I asked him about his round rating last week on the show. And he's like, don't don't talk about ratings. Don't talk. He wouldn't let me get the rating word out. He doesn't care. Um, I do know it was a big deal to you. And you just elaborated on that again. Uh, I feel like I should have been a little softer or nicer about how I asked it. It was unintentional. Thank you, Paige. Um, I think we've made it to the end. We'd say shout out your sponsors if you want to. I mean, if that's a thing, if you want to give anybody yeah. extra shout out, go ahead and do that, too. Yeah, I mean, definitely thanks to Discraft. They have absolutely revolutionized my game and just how they treat the women's, I mean, all of their players, really. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, even more so how they treat their women on the team. They are incredible and they're just kind of showing that, yes, our team is smaller than most other teams, but the players that do make the team are going to be promoted. They're going to be respected. They're going to be supported um, and taken care of. So I, I know that everyone on the team has a relationship with our team manager. And I think that that is something that other companies should take note of because a lot of these other companies don't even necessarily post about someone on their team taking third place at a big event, someone shooting their best rated round of their lives. Um, they're not even really paying attention if they don't walk home with the trophy. So I think that this craft is setting the bar to a new standard on how the players should be treated and not to mention the discs are incredible. So, I mean, when I just said that Ella Hansen threw the disc 445 this weekend, I threw a shot 435 and I was stoked about it. I was so happy. And then Ella gets up right after me and beats me, uh, throws it farther than me by 10 feet. And so, you know, it's like, it, it's incredible how far I feel like I'm throwing the disc right now. Um, and that is just because I'm finally learning every intricacy of the disc craft discs and uh, finally like getting my, all of my backups are beat in now as mm -hmm. well. So I'm really, really getting the hang of my discs. And uh, OTB, of course, they are a huge supporter of mine. And, um, you know, the first retail shop that paid me. Um, so, you know, a lot of companies out here want to, and maybe I'm like speaking to all you future sponsored players. Like, what do I want in a sponsor? How do, that is such a common question. How do I get sponsored? And I think you need to wipe that question out of your, out of your mind. You don't need to try to get sponsored. Um, a lot of the companies aren't really going to give you what you're worth. And if you say yes to the first company that approaches you, you are now decreasing your value by a long shot. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like a, if you go, if you know you're worth, uh, what's minimum wage? Well, it's uh, varies per state. <laughs> let's, let's just say, say 14. <laughs> yeah, let's say 14 an hour. <laughs> okay. So if you know you're worth like $25 an hour and someone says, oh, I'll give you 15 to start, but maybe you can get to 25. Mm -hmm. Don't take it. Go to the company that's going to give you 25 right off the bat. Because know your worth. That company that's giving you 15, they're going to take 10 years to get you up to 25. And so that's kind of the same thing with disc golf. It, it is a job. And a lot of people don't really understand that they just want to say oh i'm a part of this team i'm sponsored and 
I just realized that I went on a whole tangent. This is not even the question. <laughs> it's, hey, we're, it's funny because we just had on Aaron uh, Goosage. Gossage. Gossage. Uh-huh. Sorry, we call him Goose. Um, we just had on Aaron Gossage, who played incredible this weekend, but is an unsponsored player. And since this weekend uh-huh. said he had people reach out to him. So I think this is an incredible moment of obviously one of the top athletes in our sport giving insight, know your worth, know what you can go out there and get. So believe me, rant yeah, all you want. It's, so it's very players. good knowledge. There's so many players that are getting underpaid. Mm-hmm. So many players. And it, and then you have more people coming into the sport that want to get sponsored. And, uh, just to wear that logo on their back. I'm part of something. Well, if you just hold off a little bit longer, I mean, think about your like, uh, like intimate relationships. Like you don't just start dating the first person that tells you they like you Mm -hmm. just because they like you, you, you know, you, do you like them? Like, and it's just something that blows my mind and something that I learned so, you know, over the course of, of my career in disc golf, but it it really makes me passionate when you're seeing players getting taken, getting taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's adding to that when the more people that do something for free or for cheap, the more the, the companies are going to think that they don't have to pay as much because, yep. oh, this other person will do it for free. So keep that in mind. If, if somebody's trying to get sponsored on here, which I know you guys are, that is a very common question. Mm-hmm. Do not settle for anything less than you deserve. And my whole, I just remembered why I got on this. OTB <laughs> yes. has supported me for so long and it it's just awesome. They, they really take care of their players. They really go above and beyond, not just, Hey, we'll give you this monthly salary. Hey, how else can we help you and keep you keep gas in your tank, keep food in your fridge. Mm -hmm. They go above and beyond and it is so awesome. And it goes to show how they ran the tournament this weekend. You know, they, this is such a simple thing, but they had water out for the practice days. And, you know, they're giving free lunch and free dinner to any player, any touring pro that wanted to come to their shop, whether they were sponsored by Infinite Discs or, uh, very cool, you know, whoever other yeah. menu, uh, retail shops. And yeah, they're, they're just awesome. And then Grip Equipment, they, you know, best bags in the world and mm-hmm. they lifetime warranty and they also treat their players so, so good. And I have some huge news coming with that soon, but I can't oh. give it away right now, unfortunately. But Teasers. Uh, yeah, just stay just stay tuned on on my on my socials. Uh, I I'm very passionate about this as well, and made some videos recently to kind of express that. So um, yeah, I, I'm very excited about all of my partnerships right now, and it just takes a huge weight off my back to have companies that are really supporting me and. Uh, you know, not just when I win, but when my rating drops 20 points, they are still supporting me mm-hmm. and uh, push, pushing the game forward, pushing how the women in the sport are treated. And I think that I'm going to continue to push that back so that 10 years from now, the Mondujano sisters and the XYZ people that we don't even know yet yep. are 
compensated properly and not just trying to scrape by while entertaining thousands of fans on YouTube. Wow. Paige, I, I want to say thank you very much. You're a fantastic ambassador for the sport as well as a all around good person. And I know you're always working to figure out how to even be a better person. I just see it in you all the time. Um, we appreciate very much that you took time out of your practice rounds to hang out on the Nick and Matt show. Uh, we do not take that for granted at all. Mm -hmm. So thank you very, very, very much. And um, yeah. good, good luck out there the rest of the season. And I can't make any hot take predictions, but if, if something big goes down in the next month or so, we'll hit you up again. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I'll just leave it like sounds that. Good. We're rooting for you. And, and yeah, have, have absolutely. A Very much appreciated Paige, on yeah. all of our part. I know everyone was super excited for this episode when we got the confirmation. So we are super happy about it. Uh, best of luck to you. We're, we're rooting for you. So go Discraft. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you guys having me and sorry it took so long. <laughs> it's all good. You're good. You're <laughs> busy. Good. You right. got a job. Talk. Okay. Out. Go ahead. Pagepierce.com. Make okay. sure you guys check it out. All things PP. We got my tour schedule, my everything. Merch. I actually got all actually both of these on mm -hmm. pagepierce.com and yeah, check it out. All Sounds right. Good. We'll hit you up again sometime. Thanks cool. again, Paige. Have a great evening. Good practice. Appreciate bro. it. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Paige Pierce, five-time world champion. Wow, Nick. So I hate to say it, but that was supposed to be like a 20-minute interview. <laughs> yeah. I, that's why at one point I was just like, oh, we're kind of going a little overboard right now. But, I mean, conversations were good. Everything seemed to be going well. And uh, I, I actually totally forgot. California, it's only like 6 o'clock there right now. If she loses this yeah. major... <laughs> No, stop. Stop. She's like, don't even start. Nick and Matt. Yeah, exactly. They ask too many questions. But to be fair, she also, I, incredible. I'm not saying incredible because what we brought to it. Yeah. Incredible conversation from Paige. Exactly. I, I love cannot, hearing the insight yeah. of wow. all these incredible pros. Obviously, we've had the most incredible guests on the show in the world, and it's insane. So, Having five-time world champions on, whether it's Paige Pierce or Paul McBeth, having two-time world champion on Ricky Wysocki, like these players, we have Brody Smith on talking about how his year is going. It's just been such a great experience getting the insight. And I think that was honestly probably one of the best things that anyone has said about sponsorships when it comes to knowing your worth, because we've said it for a while. And I, I want to shout out once again, Paul McBeth for this is making his contract public because one of the biggest things in disc golf was... Everyone's just going around signing NDAs. So no one's allowed to talk about their contract. No one really knows what they're worth. You're not supposed to tell your friends what you're making. And so people like Paige just said are getting underpaid in the sport of disc golf right now. So I, I was super excited for her to get on talking about that. And I, I got to say, I really like how open she was with everything. Uh, whether it came down to what's going on with the PDGA and these FPO majors, um, that, that's Honestly, hearing stuff about that, that made me really disappointed in what's going on with them. Um, yeah, I, it's it, I could go on and on about that. This is I, I'm uh, Nick. Have I ever apologized to a guest? I don't need me. Don't mean to bring that up again, but <laughs> I legit. Did yeah. you see? Because you could you could see a reaction. Yeah, you, yeah exactly. It was it's she a real time reaction, a yeah. genuine soft spot. And I felt like I literally felt like I killed her dog. Like that was how I felt in that moment. Yeah. Like 
I need to say sorry. And I don't like it just felt really bad because the way I asked it, I meant to say, like, is that like, tell us about your journey. And I, I wasn't asking it like, ha, huh, you got knocked down 25 points. You still on that journey? Yeah. Like, I didn't mean it that no, way. No, no, no. I, I think everyone kind of got the okay. idea of how you meant it. And uh, but yeah, yeah, it definitely which is kind of unfortunate. And I saw this and what's really unfortunate is she obviously she played above her rating. Okay, this last weekend at OTB, and she won the event. She, you know, clutched it up. She got the win. Why are we talking about her rating? What does that matter? You know why I did? No, no, no. I get okay, that. I'm saying, you know why, why I did? No, no, no. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, why in the disc golf community are we talking about a silly number that says how you did per round? Like, I'd rather just say she kicked ass at this tournament. We can say that won. we can you know, say that, we can but say here's that, why but we always have to follow it up with but here's why, oh, but here's her rating. Did you see how much it meant to her? Yeah, I get that. But okay. The only that's means, why the only reason it means so much to her is because it's something that we have in this, board. but it, but it has, maybe she's the last one. She's for not, her, yeah, yeah, she's the last one and it won't matter after well, that. But like know, for her, obviously it, it weighs a lot more for her um, in the sense of, she was that she's obviously she was that close and she will be that close again to reach that thousand rated mark. And she, you know, she's easily the best female player in the world. When everything's going her way, she's hundred percent the best female player in the world. And she shoots above thousand rated rounds. But I think at this point, like, you know, I'll say this shout out to, you know, Ricky Wysocki. He just had another personal best in his rating. But like, to be honest, I don't really care about his rating. I'm, so much more psyched that he's murdering these tournaments. <laughs> every right now. week, he went three. For every six. week we talk about this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. We t- we talk about ratings every week because I'm going to say it one more yeah. time. It does matter to the fans in a lot of situations. It matters yeah. to the AMs. It matters for marketing. I the think top AMs, pros. Yeah, the for- top pros can use it for marketing. Brody did it himself. Okay, mm-hmm. he said one and done, but he did it. Thousand rated. Okay. To Paige, it's a big deal. Let's give her that opportunity. That was a big deal to her. Yeah, I didn't want to say because I wanted to yeah. tell her. Page, what's what ratings matter? And I wanted, I wasn't going to try to convince her of no, that. No, 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 yeah. Because like it's important to her, just like it was even to Brody. I'll say it. It was yeah. a thousand. Now he could say it isn't, but he made a lot of money off it. I hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if he did or he didn't, but yeah, I think that was a great interview. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it really was. All right. Um, getting ready to wrap this show up. It has been two hours. Uh, PCS Sula canceled. Mm-hmm. That is the, uh, is it was it Finland or uh, I don't remember Norway. Where, Norway. I was gonna say Norwegian. The ter- yep. Norwegian tournament canceled officially. However, Disc Golf Pro Tour has announced the Des Moines Challenge added as an elite series. Now I'm not surprised that it was replaced. That the PCS Sula was replaced. I was surprised that Pro Tour is like, all right, here's another elite series. Not even silver. Like here's elite. Mm-hmm. That was surprising to me. Uh, a little bit about this course and venue. July 9th through 11th, first of all, is when this event's happening. Juliana Corver, you might know that name. Yeah, JK, shout, out, shout out to her. Top 10 finish at a pro tour. Uh, she's a master's age player. Uh, also five-time world champion. Yeah. Someone who I really want to get on the show. I've listened to a couple interviews with her now, and she just seems like a great person. But yeah, uh, Juliana Corver designed course. Yep. And it hosted 2004 yep. pro world championships. And this was interesting. When you read the press release from the Disc Golf Pro Tour, this Des Moines team, is it Des Moines or Des Moines? I'm not sure. <laughs> Des Moines, I, I don't know which one it is. That's funny. Um, 
That's like, are you smarter than a fifth grader? But anyways, the team there had made a proposal in this past off season to be a disc golf pro tour event. Oh, and okay. I don't want to say they were denied, but it, it had to do with the timeline. I think Yep. like they wanted to go overseas. But so it was already a bid in for this venue. So that worked out mm-hmm. and in light of what was going to happen. They were able to reignite that conversation and make sure registration would open in a way that could host a pro tour. So that's cool. All right, Nick, I think we made it to the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, whew. Yeah, I'm super excited. That we was got good. we got the first FPO major of the year. I'm actually really excited to watch it. I'm really excited to watch some coverage from last weekend. Um yeah, I it's a great time to be subscribed on the Disc Golf Network. I'll tell you that much. You want to know where else it's great to be subscribed to, Matt? The Foundation Podcast Network yeah. on YouTube. Uh, we're on YouTube going live pretty much 7 p.m. every Monday night. We're trying to bring you guys the hot Ooh. interviews of everything going on. Next week. What are you doing, Nick? What are you doing next week? So I have a crazy busy weekend next week. Uh, Saturday, I'm actually flying from Massachusetts to go back down to Virginia. Wow. And then Sunday, I'm playing a tournament. And then Monday, I'm taking a train because plane tickets for some odd reason were stupid expensive. So I'm actually going to take a train back to Massachusetts. So... My train doesn't get into like 8.45 p.m. So have we confirmed if... Yes. Okay, so Matt and... It's it's not going to be the Nick and Matt show next week. <laughs> it's actually going to be the Josh and Matt show. Uh, Matt's brother, Josh, will be taking my spot for the week, which I'm actually super excited for because... Should be interesting. Yeah, it, exactly. They run a show, so obviously... Josh has insight on everything. Josh and he has knows how to do it. He has nothing to lose either. Yeah, I'm gonna tell him to come we're in kick swinging. Him off in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. come in swinging, Josh. We need all of the hot yeah. takes. We need the straight shooting. Say what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not gonna be on the show the next week, so exactly. <laughs> um, oh, no. And then getting ready to close this out is Eagle. Just kind of, I guess, very short topic. Is Eagle slated to win worlds? It's isn't that I was it? just talking about this with one of my best friends today is, and I'm going to say no, isn't it? It's going to be half ball course. Yeah. It's the Utah it's, course it's that probably, it's always been on. Yeah. I'm assuming I don't hundred percent know this and I would love it if someone who's running that tournament. Yeah. I'm assuming it's going to be the fort, and then Mulligans, the fort, Mulligans and the fort. I think it's going to be three rounds on the wooded course and two rounds on the okay. ball golf course. Ooh. I would assume be Paul or Ricky. <laughs> exactly. We're or talking five round tournament. Uh, Ricky's obviously playing so well this year. Eagle has been playing well. Um, Paul obviously been playing well, not incredible up to his standard. Oh man. But yeah. Remember the stat you said that was five. That's five rounds. But the stat I said earlier Four round tournaments. Paul wins more than anybody else. Yep. Yep. Oh, actually, I just saw this. Um, I want to give a huge shout out. I don't know if he's uh, listening right now, but Stephen Ritchie down in the Lynchburg area of Virginia, a friend of mine now. I've been playing disc golf with him in the local Virginia club. Um, super cool dude. But he was actually the first person that I saw with a Nick and Matt show hat. So <laughs> the giveaway is done. I actually got to, you know, get him a disc online and everything like that. But um, he's local to Virginia, right? Yeah. 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 So I was able actually uh, the foundation started running this super awesome league. It's a handicap league now. So people based off of rating. Uh, so we did that. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> technically we did that. And then now that people have played the course, now everyone's getting adjusted with how they shot. So actually my score was the propagator in the sense of like, you know, I shot, I think. 
in 19 holes, shot like 47, forget what it was. Um, but everyone else now gets stroked off of whether below okay. or higher than that. So oh. it's actually super cool league. I, it was actually one of the best leagues I've ever been to because everyone was just in a good mood. There was a ton of people out there and yeah, it was super cool. So, and then know. shout out to Calvin for an ace and, uh, at, I don't remember what hole it was yeah. 15 or something, but anyways, and then also Zach Melton with an ace at a different tournament. Yeah. Zach Melton murder. I want to shout out to Zach Melton cause he murdered the Lake Marshall open and I'm super excited for everyone to be able to see that course. It's something that's been talked about for a long time, but there hasn't been uh super great coverage of the two courses that they have there. Now um, I was beyond fortunate to be able to play up there uh, this last weekend. Unfortunately didn't play well, but at the same time, you know, I looked back on that tournament. I know what I need to improve on, but it was super great to go up there. Shout out to Zach. He won it. And um, yeah. And if you made it super stellar, I agree. And if you made it this far in the show and we haven't talked about Paul Macbeth, because I, I don't know, we usually talk about Paul at least once. Here's my take. You ready? Hot take. Paul Macbeth is fine. Well, that's not a hot take. That's a yeah. soft take. Yeah. What I mean by that yeah, is, I'll take about that. If we hadn't seen that win at DDO, I would be seriously not not questioning can he perform high, but I'd be like something is just he's not performing well. But that yeah. one win, I, I grant he had Memorial, I know, and, and the All Star. <laughs> I don't I don't fully count those, but this DDO. I almost feel like he could go another four or five events, six events without a win. And I'd be like, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. He's fine. I, I totally agree. He's placing high enough. Like there's no issues there. Shout out to Paul right now. Uh, going to Mexico for the Paul Macbeth oh, foundation yeah. Yeah. to spend a week working and building a course there. I think that's super incredible on his part. Um, I'm super excited to see before and after pictures and everything like that. So shout out to Paul. Uh, shout out to everyone in the disc golf community. Who's doing a lot of incredible things for their local clubs and going on from there. I mean, yeah, I think that's all I got for tonight, Matt. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> you just literally stopped. Yeah, just shout that's, out shout out to everyone. That's it. So, that's it. I don't even know how you're awake right now. Seriously. Yeah, I'm up brain early tomorrow for another, another good day of work. But like, are you not dragging right now? You don't even look like it. No, I don't know. So it's weird. Oh my I, goodness. So I left, let's see, I left Colonial Beach about, let's say seven o'clock, about 730 uh, last night. Man. I got into New Jersey and I think I still had about four hours left and I knew I had like three hours of wiggle room of whether I wanted to try to just champ it out, get home, sleep in my bed for a couple hours, or if I wanted to just stay on the side of the road. Um, so I ended up just pulling over into a rest stop, took a quick two hour nap and then, you know, drove the rest of the way. My buddy Seth picked me up for work this morning. We went straight out to a job site. It was actually a really nice and easy going job site. We had a great blast and we had a great blast we we had a blast we had a blast um but no it was a good time and it was actually it was nice to <laughs> nice to be back at the old job just kind of like hanging out with the old people that i used to work with and it's cool i'm excited for another day tomorrow and then uh i don't know i'm going out in the ocean wednesday my girlfriend's coming into town the main reason i'm here in massachusetts is my brother shout out to him actually i'm shouting out everyone tonight <laughs> but shout out to him because he went out and got his uh chemistry degree uh, he got a PhD in chemistry, which is wild. Moved out to Oregon, works for a massive company, Intel, out there. He's and, having uh, a blast too in chemistry. Yeah, dude, he's he's killing it. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, his graduation got postponed last year, so he's uh, coming into town this week with his girlfriend, and I haven't seen them since like last October. So, my girlfriend's coming to town. My whole family, we're all 
going out on my cousin's boat on Wednesday. I'm super excited for it. And then, uh, yeah, super busy weekend. But then I'm back here in Massachusetts for a week. I'm going to help out at work again. And then uh, I have a massive B tier, actually, Memorial Day weekend. I'm super excited for because I went out and played Buffenville today. Oh. Just one of my favorite courses of all time. I was so happy when I got there. And it just it feels good to be playing Massachusetts disc golf again. It feels good. I'm loving it. Man. So. All right, everybody. We have made it to the end of the show. I'm going to send it over to Nick to give us our official send out. Go ahead, buddy. Well, if everyone would be oh so kind to like, subscribe, comment, everything like that. We really appreciate everyone tuning in live. Uh, also appreciate all the audio listeners afterwards. Uh, we super appreciate it. Uh, go ahead, comment, like, subscribe, everything like that. Check us out on the favorite podcast platforms. Tell someone you love them this week. We're going to have an awesome week. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one. All right, everybody. Nick, you're awesome. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel. 